And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea, conversationalists across the fruited plain, captains courageous, princes of the universe, ladies who lunch, and the people on the wrong side of the tracks, this is Open Line Friday. And it is a special edition. We're going to try this and see what happens. Everybody say hi, Todd. Todd's back there, ready to go. Uh, And you'll notice there's a table there in the shot. There's a reason for that. I'll explain that here in a minute. Mrs. Boss over there. Say hi, Mrs. Boss. Say hi, Mrs. Boss. Hello. My name is Jason Hutt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. Glad to have all of you with us. And if you are here with us live, (laughs) the chat widgets are open on YouTube, Odyssey, and Rumble. And right now, it looks like it's working. We'll see. We'll see. This show is also available as a podcast. And for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you should check out the live video every now and again. Or the replay, that's fine. You can still leave a comment. Email address is live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Suggest topics, suggest guests for us to invite. Jump in all the social media, connect with us over there. There's a Discord, there's a newsletter, all sorts of ways that you can participate in various different conversations across the internet. And I will assume that you're not AI. So that's that's a thing. All right. Um, I'm at least I'm I'm thinking because at some point, at some point, it's it's going to be a question, right? But that's okay. We will deal with that because <laughs> AI is a thing now. Ah. Uh. And we'll we'll mention that here in a minute. By the way, uh, oh wait, I didn't. That's not supposed to do that. Stop that. So, what? I'm not AI. You're not AI. No, Mrs. Boss is not AI. Uh, and and Carrie Smith over at Deprogrammed is going to be doing a program about AI and how it's being used by a group called March for Our Lives. They are taking AI. And generating messages using voices of people who have been killed in gun incidents. This is horrifying to me. Just saying. We've also got here uh, a couple of a couple of things. Just, I, I I'm, I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, why why are we doing this? This doesn't. This this is this is terrible stuff. This is terrible stuff. Um Yeah. It's the way it goes. All right, I'm not finding it. Anyway, okay. <clears throat> Here's the plan for today. I'm going to clear through a few 
tabs because I got way too many tabs open on my browser because various different stories that have broken over the over the last couple of days. And that will give all of you time to share the link out to anybody that you know who is an indie creator. So comic books, novels, short stories, video games, short films, movies, any, anybody out there who's in the indie creative space, we're going to... Excuse me. We're going to open up the phones and and let people jump in here and pitch their project, whether it's a it's a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or or fund my comic or something in something you're doing on your own site or wherever. All of that's all of that's coming. Now, I will also uh, give you a heads up that there is a possibility I might end up doing this show standing up. Because I threw my back out yesterday, and it has created all sorts of fun hijinks around here the last uh, day or two. I was moving, I was moving rock. I was, I was. We got some more paver stones to finish building out the the fire pit, and I don't know what I did, but it's staying with me, and it is not comfortable. Excuse me, pardon me, let me sneeze there. All right, so so yeah, there's a possibility <laughs> that I might end up having to completely reconfigure this uh, to stand up. Because if I stand up where the camera is now, you're going to be looking at my gut, and you don't want to be doing that. All right, uh, so the premiere of Dune Part 2 happened in London uh, yesterday, day before. We're going to be seeing it Tuesday night at a preview screening, press screening. The embargo lifts Wednesday afternoon, I believe. The social embargo has lifted. The review embargo will lift next week after the press screenings. But they had the premiere, and the photographs are out there. And I'm I'm guessing there was a theme because a lot of the women are dressed in... in there's silver metallic black and white type of thing as far as everybody goes. And we got confirmation that Anna Taylor-Joy is in it. We don't know what the role is. But Zendaya is the one that's generating all of the talk, uh, the talk because of how she's dressed or or kind of dressed. Uh, Timothy Chalamet there in his uh, silver silver pants, his bedazzled pants. Austin Butler is the only one really out of the younger crowd, uh, out, of, out of the young kids in the cast, who actually looks relatively normal. Florence Pugh there with her wraparound. And Rebecca Ferguson looking fairly normal. Josh Brolin and Stellan Skarsgård are the only ones who look like they just don't give a rip. We're just going to show up in a suit because that's what we do. Everybody else, here's Anna Taylor-Joy dressed in her something. I, I don't know, but here's... Here's Zendaya, uh, and this outfit apparently is modeled after the female robot from Metropolis, from Fritz Lang's movie Metropolis. Do I? Oh, I see that. Yeah, and it was... <laughs> there's an article out there, and I can't, I'm, I'm not going to pull it up, but there's this whole screed about how this is some big feminist statement about 
the servitude and the servile nature of, of subordinating the female into a robotic type of, of it, it, it's, it's, it's third wave feminazi crap. But, I mean, why would she subject herself to this? The the at the back of the outfit is not any more modest than the front of the outfit. There are cutouts in the back of the outfit as well that don't leave very much the imagination at all. Everybody else looks dressed relatively normal. I mean, here's the entire cast right here. You can see. Um, I I I don't understand. I don't understand this, these youngsters. I really don't. I keep saying every now and again there are signs that we're kind of swinging back to center, but that's then not it. Then we see this. Then we see this. <laughs> well, and I have confirmed, because we were talking about this uh, yesterday, we were talking about, because we got the X-Men trailer, and there's been discussion about Morph being non-binary. I have, we have confirmed this now. Because I said a lot of the stuff that was being posted was kind of it was a it was a fan driven account, but we now have this. Uh, this is a screen grab of a page from the magazine Empire Magazine, the April twenty twenty four issue that's coming out in March. It's the big Star Wars twenty fifth anniversary prequel uh, anniversary issue, but this is in here and it's got the descriptions of the different characters. And it's right here uh, in the in the description of Morph that he's that he's non-binary, and has an interesting buddy relationship with Wolverine. So that's actually that's actually a thing now, folks. But <coughs> but but there is a bigger but here as far as objections to the new iteration of, uh, of X-Men 97. And Mrs. Boss, you will forgive me because I am calling attention to something that's being discussed online. <sighs> Even more objectionable to some people, other than Morph being non-binary, is... The fact that the booty has been booted. A lot of people will be familiar with this image of Rogue from the original animation. This is from one of these one of the one of the episodes. This is this is it. This is Rogue, right? She's got all these curves. In the animated trailer. This is Rogue here. Now, I will say, to be fair, this is a faraway shot. Somebody has zoomed in. She's standing in the background. She's standing way back. So it's entirely possible that they didn't put a whole lot of effort into it because she's in the background. And, you know, perspective being such, she's very, very far away from the camera. But a lot of people are making hay over this, the fact that she's not. She has no butt. It's gone. And uh, we've also seen some complaints about the fact that they've given Rogue, in some places, the uniboob. 
because apparently this is a, this is a feminist thing where instead of defining the the female form the the uniboob apparently is a, is a, is kind of a feminist way of of reducing the femininity of of uh women characters so but flip side of that We've got the new Lara Croft design from uh, from Crystal Dynamics. Now, again, Crystal Dynamics has sat there and said, "Well, the old design of Lara Croft, all this stuff and this thing, you think okay. And it's you know they're putting these you know they put these disclaimers on, basically disavowing the original uh, three Tomb Raiders that just got remastered by by Aspire Media. But here's the new Lara Croft. The current, the the new the new version, and she's in her classic outfit, and okay, kinda, it's okay. Uh, a lot of people uh, are saying it looks pretty good, and there are some people saying that her chest is not as big as it should be, given that it's based on the original design, and. Her face is looking a little bit more masculine than it should. I I mean your mileage may vary, but this is this is this is the new Lara Croft that's coming in um, the next game. Uh, what is it called? Um, what is what's the next game called? Tomb Raider Next. Is that what it's called? That's a dumb name for a game. Um, yeah, Tomb Raider Next, being developed in the Unreal Engine 5, uh, that's a dumb name for a game, Tomb Raider Next, I don't know, now, the other thing too, you know, signs of healing, sort of, I don't know, you know, we kept saying that Disney has a we Disney has an opportunity to course correct and do some things, and we've got this news. This is over at Newsarama. Garth Ennis is coming back to Punisher. He's going to write a new uh, a new iteration of the character. Returns to Punisher to send Frank Castle on the hunt for Nick Fury. Now, this is original Nick Fury. If you see here in the in the artwork, legendary writer Garth Ennis is returning to Marvel Comics this May to tell a new story about one of the characters he's most synonymous with, Frank Castle, the original Punisher. And Frank's not alone as the story centers around his quest to rescue none other than Nick Fury when he's captured during the Vietnam War. Set in 1971 in an alternate timeline, the new story titled Get Fury revolves around Frank Castle attempting to rescue Fury from captivity long before the events that would eventually lead Castle to become the original Punisher years after his military service. Okay. I'm intrigued. Now I'm not a big I'm not a big Marvel guy. I never got into the Punisher. But somebody at Marvel said you know, all of that dust up and the blowback that we got about what we did to the Punisher, maybe we ought to do something that people will like. And the alternate universe Marvel stuff seems to be where they're putting that. 
as I don't know, as a way to test the market. I mean, we got Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson married with a kid in the new Ultimate Spider-Man. Now we've got this. But the fact that they've got Garth Ennis coming back to write the Punisher again. Is it a sign? Is it a sign that somebody is saying, hey, maybe we ought to try to sell something that people will buy? Maybe. I don't know. Meanwhile, over at uh, Dynamite Comics, we're getting a new Space Ghost comic book. And it doesn't look like it's the parody Space Ghost. It looks like it's the original. This is David Pipos uh, writing. He says... In the depths of space, evil flourishes in the darkness between the stars. As pirates and corporations prey on the innocent, two orphans will join a lonely hero to bring justice to the galaxy. They call him Space Ghost. This is May 2024. Jonathan Lau doing the artwork. That's a that's a pretty cool cover. I tell you, if that cover if that cover is is reflective of what's the interior art. That looks pretty cool, but as we've seen a lot of times, the interior art is nothing like the covers, and that can be a problem. Uh, I am getting a, uh, a, a warning over on YouTube about stuff, so if YouTube is buffering, then um, I want to try to alleviate that. I'm, I'm clearing through some of these tabs here so we can get out of this, so I just want to just let you know. Uh, and then, um, yes, um, let's see who uh, who asked me that. Vaughn, uh, I will put the link. If you're an indie creator, I'm going to put the link here in just a second. Let me clear out some of these tabs here first and just make sure. This gives people time to get here. Gives people time to share the share the link and tell people that we're about to do Indie Showcase. So, so everybody stand by. Here we go. Meantime, another lawsuit against Disney. They are hit with a federal civil rights complaint over DEI. This is Breitbart. Uh, alleges discrimination against white men, Christians, and Jews. The Walt Disney Company has been hit with a federal civil rights complaint alleging the company's DEI policies are unlawful and discriminate against white American men, Christians, and Jews. America First Legal filed the complaint against Disney on Wednesday. The group cited publicly available documents published on Disney's official sites, as well as leaked internal documents showing how executives have made diversity, equity, and inclusion a central part of Disney's hiring practices. Now, you'll remember, Elon Musk had posted a number of things over on his account over on Twixer. Christopher Rufo has had some stuff in the past. He's posted a video from a Zoom call where... Uh, where Bob Iger says, well, of course, after January 6th, we must lean into the politics. This is all going to come back to bite him in the butt. It is sad and tragic that a company whose name was once synonymous with wholesome and charming childhood fantasies is now dedicated to spreading divisive bigotry. We urge Disney to cease and desist its unlawful and destructive conduct at once, said Stephen Miller, president of America First Legal and former Trump administration official. 
At the heart of America First Legal's argument is that Disney has implemented de facto quotas in its hiring, which violates employment law. These quotas are often disguised as diversity and inclusion policies, but in some cases, Disney has publicly listed actual percentages when it comes to hiring for its productions. Among the published quotas is the goal that 50% of Disney's TV series directors must come from underrepresented groups. It is patently unlawful to consider racial, ethnic, and sex-based characteristics in hiring, training, compensation, and promotion, America First Legal said in his complaint. Decades of case law have held that policies that impose racial balancing or quotas in employment, training, or recruitment, such as those presented on Disney's websites, are prohibited. So, here we go, folks. Another round, another lawsuit for Disney. Uh, how many does this make now? Is this what? Because you've got... Because the SEC thing from a couple of years ago, that got settled. You have Karen McCarthy's suit. you got Julia Ormond's suit. You've got now uh, Gina Carano's suit. And now you've got this America First legal suit. That I, I know I'm missing some. I know I'm missing some. I've got to be. There, there, I think... I want to say that there's two more. Maybe? I don't know. All right. Meanwhile, <laughs> in another corner of the universe in Disney, uh, here's Fandom Pulse. Disney clamps down on female Star Wars director Charmaine Obey-Shinoy, limiting her involvement with the franchise. This is Art Gaines posting yesterday. Disney has clamped down on Pakistani documentary filmmaker Charmaine Obey-Shinoy, slated to direct the first installment of a new Star Wars trilogy, banning her from being involved in any other Star Wars projects. The move comes after a money dispute between Charmaine Obey-Shinoy, the Disney company, and actress Daisy Ridley, the star of the new trilogy. Now, I'm just reading this fresh, so this I'm, I'm, I'm coming at this completely cold. I saw the headline and was like, oh, okay, this is another Disney problem. Another factor believed to be involved with the director's semi-detachment from the franchise is a series of old interviews that have recently gone viral in which she reveals several distasteful things about herself, such as, I like to make, make, make men comfortable. Again, that got taken out of context because she was spe talking specifically about that project that she was working on at the time that exposed a number of abuses in Pakistan by men. So that, that was specific to that project. The director has also revealed that she views her Star Wars project as a vehicle for her activist agenda, which involves female empowerment. Late 22. So I don't, I, okay, so it looks like, and I, it doesn't say here where this information is coming from. So we'll have to see i it, this this doesn't source any of this fandom pulse is not sourcing any of this i don't know where this is coming from uh where this is saying that she's it says it says in late 2022 uh lucasfilm president kathleen kennedy invited charmian obey to play a pivotal role blah, 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 blah. after she began demanding more money however disney ceo bob Iger pulled the plug decreasing her pay and limiting her involvement to just one film this, I have not seen this anywhere else. So, take this with a bag of salt, okay? I'm not, I don't know, I don't know. 
that doesn't somehow that just doesn't strike me as being completely kosher. Uh, Low spec Linux gaming says unified Lara looks like Leon Kennedy man face and short stubby legs. <laughs> Sci-fi snob says they just made it up like everything they do. I guess fandom pulse uh, is is not uh, right. Let's see. We let's uh, let's say hi to some people in the chat because I'm I'm seeing a bunch of names here that I haven't seen before. We've got Cam in there, Weatherman's there, Keeley's here, Green Girl's back, Hojo's there, and I know Hojo is standing by and wants to pitch his project. Um, Jay's here, Channel Satellite's here, Sci-Fi Snob, uh, who else? Vaughn, uh, I'm seeing some names I haven't seen before, and I like that. Jeff is here, Low, uh, Low Spec Linux, Baz is here, good, good to see all of you. Baz says, Star Wars is dead. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Meanwhile, I keep doing the meanwhile, there's a lot of meanwhile, we have um, rumor that Javier Bardem is uh, the top choice to play Galactus. This is being uh, sourced for Jeff Snyder on his newsletter, which you have to pay for in order to read. And somebody is saying here, Galactus will be the, vi the villain in the Fantastic Four, which is a mistake. You don't lead with your biggest villain. You build to your biggest villain. I I just this is a mistake. I mean, Javier Bardem is a good choice for Galactus, but not for the first film. You're telling an origin story to begin with. On top of that, and you're gonna you're gonna. There's a reason why we built up to Thanos, and why that worked. You don't you don't lead with your biggest villain. Uh, I don't know. All right. <clears throat> Speaking of AI, Helen Mirren uh, at the American Cinematheque Awards. She got an award. Yeah, Baz, you're right. You either lead with Doctor Doom or Mole Man. I mean, Mole Man. The whole that go with the go with the cover of issue number one, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna set it in the '60s. Just go with that story. <clears throat> so Helen Mirren, <laughs> this is variety, and I think this is so. This is so choice, and this is so so much Helen Mirren rips up her speech at the American Cinematheque Awards. Here is the story: Helen Mirren ripped AI to shreds while being honored Thursday night at the American Cinematheque Awards after being presented with the Lifetime Achievement Award by her Mesquita Coast and 1923 co-star Harrison Ford at the Beverly Hilton Gala. I didn't know she was in Mosquito Coast. Marin began to read her acceptance speech from a piece of paper. Quote, Ladies and gentlemen and esteemed guests and dear friends, I am deeply humbled, profoundly honored to stand before you today accepting this extraordinary award to be recognized for a lifetime devoted to the craft of acting as a privilege beyond words, she said dramatically. First and foremost, I want to express my heartfelt gratitude to the industry and the individuals who have supported me throughout this incredible journey. It has been a life filled with passion, challenges, and above all, an unyielding love for the art of storytelling. Then she added, and that was written by AI before proceeding to tear up the speech. <laughs> 
she let the paper fall to the floor and it says here the moment was met with applause and cheering uh you go girl i guess is is what uh, is what they say nowadays uh so helen mirren coming out against ai which i you know i'm i i got to say it is it is coming we we're seeing it here's this this video right here completely generated by ai the people walking down the street on the path this is all ai now you can see the artifacts you can tell that this is fake but this is this is coming this is this is god this is scary stuff here's another one here this is uh this is generated by a new tool called Sora. And this is horrifying. And I, I get it. There are people out there that sit there and says, hey, AI's here. We're stuck with it. We're going to have to deal with it. No. Yes, it is here. Yes, it is. It is going to be around. But that does not mean that we have to just take it for granted that we're going to have to use it. This is, I mean, this is going to put this is going to put background background players out of work and people people who make their living creating art she's walking awfully look at her feet i know the whole it uh rv life is here as well says all my witty comments shall be ai generated from now on stop says once again the robotic are discriminated against by the non-robotic <coughs> well, you got a you got a piece of you got a piece of metal in your in you, don't you? Me? Yeah. Don't you have a pin somewhere in your I shoulder or something? I have a few pieces of metal in me. Okay. Well, then that counts. Okay. We have we have a we have a partial cyborg on the staff. We're good. You've seen the inside. Though. I, have, I have. I've been cut open enough. Have, you know I'm normal. I well. Hey. <laughs> Be nice, or I'm gonna come poke your back. Normal is a relative term, right? <clears throat> All right, have we given everybody enough time? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Pop, 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 pop. All right, here we go, folks. Time to make your pitch. All right, it's in the chat, it is pinned. To the top, where I can pin it to the top, Odyssey and YouTube. So if you have it. So here's how we're going to do this. Uh, because I don't really have, a, I don't have a clock. I don't have a timer. I guess I can do something like this. I can do something here. What, what say, how much, how much time should we give somebody to do a pitch? What do you think, Mrs. Boss? Five minutes. Five minutes? Okay, let me put five minutes on the clock. That's, is that 30? Five, yeah, okay. All right. So pause, delete, five. Okay. So we'll do five minutes on the clock. So anybody <coughs> that wants to do your pitch, what we're going to do is you come in, pitch until the chat gets bored. I don't know about that because the chat never gets bored because we're all brilliant here, right? So what we'll do is you you come in, Put the link, if you've got a link to a project, Indiegogo, Kickstarter, whatever, give me time to get it pulled up on the on the, on the the browser. 
and then we'll go live. You make your pitch. Tell us about it. We'll take a look at it, and you'll get you get five minutes ish, and we'll show off everybody's everybody's stuff. We'll show off projects. You guys want you're ready you're ready to go. We'll do it, and uh, we'll see what happens. So who's gonna jump in first? Because <laughs> I think everybody, I think there were people that were looking at, at doing stuff while we're waiting. Let me show you this one. Um, Critical Blast has this one coming in. Uh, it is, uh, uh, they're reading right now stories to include in their new uh, project that's coming. The Fables Next Door. Uh, RJ was wanting to pitch this. I don't know if he's going to be here uh, today or not because he's got a work thing. But this is the new book that they're working on now. Reading between February 1st through March 31st uh, with a target of publishing in May. So what they're doing is they are they are open to submissions right now. They're going to be reading stories to be collected for the first volume in the Fables Next Door anthology. They're looking for stories that involve the characters uh, from recognized fairy tales placed in a modern setting where normal people will meet and interact. All genres welcome as long as the theme is met. So here is here is this uh, collection that they're doing. Uh, they've also got uh, a book coming out soon called uh, The Devil You Know Best. I don't know that they have a link to order that yet. So, uh, so that's coming too. So if RJ is in here at some point, uh, we'll let him get some, some details on that and, uh, and see what happens. So if you have a project to pitch, now's the time to jump in and, and let's go and, and do this. I know some people are sitting there going, when, when are we going to pitch? When are we going to pitch? The, the link's there. It's at the top. So let's go, go, go. You know what I think I might do? Depending on how well this goes, <clears throat> I may I may do this as a semi-regular thing, but we could also incorporate this into our 15th anniversary 15-hour stream and do some indie showcase segments there as well, maybe. I don't know. Depending, I mean, 15 hours is a long time for this old man. I don't know if I could last 15 hours, but... Have fun with that. Yeah, well, you know, it's... I sleep. Yeah. So well even we even if even if your project incorporates some AI, that's fine too. Comicsgate, non comicsgate, Iron Age, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, Fund My Comic, wh whatever whatever you got, let's uh let's pitch it. So I uh, here I man, my back is killing me. All right. Nobody's going to jump in. Come on. You got it. I mean, the link is right there. And people were asking, when are we going to start? So here's the link. Let's go. It's time to go. Time to jump in. If nobody wants to do it, I can I can just. <laughs> uh, Snob, I'm not. Uh, I, Snob says, I don't think Mindy would appreciate you lasting 15 hours. I'm not sure that we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. If we were going to do a, see, we could do. I could. I guess I could do my pitch. Should we pitch the magazine? What do you think? Should we pitch? 
Should we pitch the magazine, Mrs. Boss? Fantastic Encounters magazine? This is an idea that I've been having. I don't know that we're ever going to do it. Where is it? Do I have it here? <clears throat> In the tradition of Analog and Asimov's and Starlog and Wizard and Fangoria and all of those... Uh, Fantastic Encounters magazine. This is something we've been talking about doing for a very long time. To include news features and uh, stories, fiction. And one of these days, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll crowdfund this if there's interest. I don't know. We need to get our, we need to get our, our, our audience base bigger, um, just to make sure that there's there's enough interest uh, spread around to actually do something with it. And it looks like, hey, we've gotten back up to 2,500 subscribers on YouTube. Woo-hoo, as they say. It's about time. We hit 2,500 earlier this week. We went to 2,501, and then it dropped. <coughs> In almost, almost, almost within a couple of hours, it dropped back down. Uh, to twenty, we went down to twenty four ninety eight. So we've we've gained everybody back. So we're back to twenty five hundred. So we can turn this into a twenty five hundred celebration stream, I guess. Anybody that wants to jump in, you're more than welcome to. I mean, the the link's right there, pinned to the top. Anybody can be a part of it. See, now this is this is the thing. You know, you post like now I didn't I didn't promote this as well as I should have throughout the week. But I did see some people express some interest throughout the week. So here we go. Except where are you? I'm not going to be embarrassed if we don't get anybody calling in because there's a bunch of other shows that are live right now. There are other channels, other different uh, different places where you you could be, and that's fine. I can just call it a short show and go put my put my back on a on a space heater or something. But but here we are, 2,500. Finally, again. Well, again. We'll see how long it holds. Nobody's going to take me up on the offer, huh? <clears throat> I tell you. It is it is a fickle bunch. It is a fickle bunch. I'm not going to beg. You have you have the link. I'm going to give it I'm going to give it another 5 minutes. If nobody calls in, then then we'll we'll call it done and then we'll we'll pull the plug on the show. That's fine. Just saying. <clears throat> Pitch until the chat gets bored, Snob says. Green Girl says, The villain of the first Fantastic Four movie should be the nebulous, but turn out to be an alternate read. Um, not necessarily for the first one, but I can see that coming. Because if you do it right, if you do it right, you could end up, because, you know, we don't have Kang anymore. Jonathan Majors will be looking at prison time. They got to do something there. So you either recast Kang or you give us a different villain. And it could be, it could be, a, a you know, 
a different type of Kang. It could be Galactus, but it could be Reed Richards, because Reed Richards turned out to be the villain in the Ultimate Universe. <coughs> Snob says, talk about the Deadpool trailer. We did that this, this week. See, the, the, the idea of Open Line Friday is for all of you to talk about stuff. I've been talking about stuff all week. This is to give you a chance to sound off. Because how many channels let you do that? How many shows? Take the risk and open the door and let you in and say, Come on in. Get up on stage. Do your bit. Say your piece. Ask your questions. Share your opinion. Give us your thoughts. Try to stump the host. I don't know, whatever. But the link is there. It's at the top of the chat. So anybody wants to, to jump in and do... Even if you don't have an idea to pitch, if you don't have anything to pitch, if you've got a comment on anything that we've talked about this week, I mean, you could talk about Genius Lawsuit, you could talk about this new lawsuit here, this DEI lawsuit, you could talk about the X-Men trailer, you could talk about the Fantastic Forecasting, what else, what else was on this week? We had a lot going on this week. Sci-Fi Snob's going to save the show. Welcome, sir. How are you? Hey, uh, how's it going? Good. What's up? What do you got? Um, yeah, so I... Um, <clears throat> oh, hold on. I just got... I texted my buddy. Uh, I think I got a link to his project that he's doing. Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't have a project to myself. So I, a friend of mine, uh, shall I post it, the link in the uh, yeah, put it in the chat? Is, what, is that what you want me to do? Well, put it in, right, the, so this in is the private a, chat here. The private chat? Okay. Yeah, put it in the private chat so that way here. I can call it up. And you can take a look at it. All right. So it's um, so what it is is it's uh, RPG. It's called Mothership. It's not one of the very um, big, you know, big things, but it's basically sci-fi horror. It's very similar to sort of the Aliens uh, role-playing game. So now this is a two-page module, which is a thing that uh, they do um, for this uh, game. There's a number of them. So that link is takes it to his uh, module, which is called Claws Out. And the reason he put this out is because he's working on a big 60-pager, which I edited for him. And he's got it. It's basically ready to go. He's just waiting to finish off the artwork. He's like... He's got a lot of the art from the art, the artist, and he's just getting the artist, the rest of the artist stuff off. Okay. And then he's going to put it up on, you know, Kickstarter or Indiegogo or something like that. Um, now so, I've so we don't have know, any I'm, we don't have any artwork to show yet. He's he's so got, this is, he's still waiting so, to get it. No, back. this is for the this is a, just a very small. Um, this is for like a mini module. Right? Okay, got it. So that's so this is I like. I've I've told him, hey, put this out like this. You know, this can be a, like a setup for your your big Kickstarter, your your sixty pager, which is much more longer and involved. And uh, yeah, so this is like I said, this is an idea. If people want to look at it, they get an idea of the kind of quality he puts out. I think it's pretty good quality. Um, you know, he gives a, you know, info lots of information, uh, stuff like that. But so this, this is... you know, the sixty pager is, is even bigger than that. Of course, it's sixty. Yeah. You know, it full-on multi uh multi-session uh type thing these these ones these two pages are meant to be like a one session type right. things so this so, is a two-page uh, yeah. print-friendly black and white pamphlet module compatible with the mothership rpe uh, rpg which is using first edition rules looks like claws out takes place 
on the cargo ship Agamemnon as it travels with cargo and passengers destined for a remote mining facility. The first death can be attributed to natural causes, although there was an argument about the cat. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. And it's not clear how the parrot escaped the locked room. Clause out includes descriptions of five crew members and three passengers, descriptions of events leading up to the deaths of two or more passengers. A list of false leads includes a new monster that grows from a small parasite into a large alien horror. Clause out is formatted like a double-sided trifold brochure, also available in A4 format. Okay, this sounds interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, and, you know, you could, if you're looking for ideas for your other for other sci-fi horror type stuff, yeah. you know, you could easily convert, you know, this sort of thing into it if you wanted to. But, um, you know, it's these are these are very typical, you know, for people to put out this kind of thing. But his is better than the most that I've seen. And um, also, you know, and it's, it's only a couple bucks. And the idea is that he's putting this out now. It's been out for a couple months. And it's going to lead into his um, bigger project, which is called Nietzsche's Demon. And, and when, when uh, does I've, that uh, when does that come out? As soon as well, he wanted to get it out by January, but he's still waiting for a little bit of the artwork. Most of the artwork is done, but he's just sort of getting the last little bit. So I think maybe uh, I want to say March, but I'm you know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what the deal is with the artwork. Like I said, I edited the thing for him a couple months ago. It's pretty It's pretty much good to go. He's just putting the art, artwork in. And he had some artwork already in it, but um, he, uh, you know, he wanted to, some, you know, he was generated by AI and it was placeholder stuff. And it was like, you know, just his own. So yeah. he wanted to get real artwork for it to be, uh, you know, to be good to go. So uh, yeah, when it comes out, you know, a lot of a lot of Kickstarters are like, well, you know, we got to finish up doing the thing. His will all be done, uh, nice. with the with the exception of you know printing. But again, you don't have to get a print copy. You can just get a PDF, and you know, you can get the PDF almost immediately as soon as the uh, campaign would end. So uh, yeah, so I'm not you know, Mothership isn't the most popular RPG out there. It's fairly new. Basically, they ran a Kickstarter for it and got a million and something dollars for it and they've been fooling around with it and they've i think they've just released edition one officially okay so, so kind of, mothership so, mothership is the base game then and this yes, is yes. this is a campaign that would go compatible with that yes mothership okay. is you know it's basically D D or D &D whatever you want to space. call it yeah okay. i mean you know it's it, it, the systems are different of course it's quite different than D&D system-wise, but uh, there's been a lot of, as I'm sure you know, there's been a lot of different uh, types of systems out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, oh, I'm on, come on, I'm on the, I don't know if he wants me to, if he would want me to push some, uh, I'd rather get him on here. <laughs> He's working up. <laughs> right. But uh, um, yeah, I don't know if he wants to, I don't think he wants to release it. I have some of his artwork in uh you know, in our private channels and stuff, because I said, because I've edited the thing, yeah. but uh, I don't know if he wants to release it. Hojo yet, says, so I'm, I'm going to hold off. Okay. Well, Ho Hojo wants to call him, but he's working and gets out in 30 minutes. So, all right. Um, 
Road Vagabond Life says, not that I have anything to contribute. Maybe explain what a StreamYard link is. Do you need software? No, you do not need any software to click the link. It's like Zoom. StreamYard, StreamYard is basically, it's a video, it's, it's a video conference call broadcast live streaming tool. And all you have to do is click the link and it will say, uh, do you have a camera and a microphone? Let us use it. And then you just enter into the thing. And and it's it's so easy, even Sci-Fi Snob can do it. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> See, it's true. It's pretty easy. You just click on it. You just I'll smack him for well, you. Well, no, 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 no. See, the reason I say that is because Streamyard also has this this feature that allows you to record. So when when you can get into Streamyard, it, even if you're all by yourself. You can get into StreamYard and you can record videos that then you can post on your YouTube channel. Oh. <laughs> I don't just, know if we want those knife. type of videos from him. Just a knife. I mean, it is very, this is kind of very complicated for me, all this clicking and stuff. I mean, normally we, you know, where I'm from, we just have uh, AI do everything for you. Yeah, well, so, you know. Uh, it's, just it's voice it's, command. I mean, thought commands, you know. Yeah. Voice commands. <laughs> Usually they do it before you even think about it, right? Yeah. But, so, uh, so so your so your your videos back. your videos are just kind of stored in the cloud waiting waiting because you've already made them all right. I was gonna work on this one this morning, but I was like, should I work on my video or should I save Jason's show? And I, you obviously, know, I decided tacos, man. Why not do both? I mean, you can do you I know old El Paso. Same time. You you can do stuff. I so. can't do both at the same time. This machine is. Uh, it's too old. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I see how you are. I see how it is. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I am working on uh, my... I'm going to do uh, I, my first, my next video. My first video in a long time is going to be on Resident Alien, I decided. So I'll put the other stuff out later. So I just started this week. So Resident uh, I Alien. I like that show. Okay. Oh, that's the one based, with based uh, on Alan Tudyk. Tudyk, based on the Dark Horse comic um yeah uh you know it's a uh documentary about the um you know some alien visits to earth so i don't yeah. know how accurate it is but uh yeah so i'm looking i'm looking at your channel here oh nine months it's been nine months oh i thought it was way longer than that well Jeez. you've got a forever watch review Oh yes, that one. Nine I months ago. Good. Other than that, everything is two and three years past. You've you've got a lot of catching up to do, sir. Oh, read that Forever Watch. Read that book. That's a good book. I liked it. Yeah, one of the few science fiction books where I read it and I was actually surprised at the ending. Like like, you know, the the mystery that was involved. You know, usually you know you read a lot of science fiction. You go, okay, well, we kind of know what's gonna. Yeah, we know it's going to be the you know the butler did it or whatever, right? The butler but, uh, always done it. Yeah, so uh, I was kind of surprised at the and and the way it was led up to it, I was still like, you know, even though you know you're like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. It's still the way it was it was written into. I was kind of like, oh, I didn't really see that coming. So right. good on the guy who wrote it. And the guy's a the writer was it's his first book, and he's a physics. Uh, he's like a physics. Um, prof or, or he's into he's like a, into physics and stuff like he mm -hmm. gets his job is ready to that and he just said screw it i'm gonna write a book and he wrote <laughs> a book and uh, i thought it was pretty good and i've been looking for more stuff from him but i can't find any more 
And on that book, it talks about he's working on another one, but it's, you know, that's five years ago. And, yeah. Uh, what's, you know, he's what's got the timelines guy's, like me. What's the guy's name? Oh, I forget his name offhand. I have to search. Uh, All right. Let me, let me do a look here. Cause it might be on Goodreads. Let's see. Oh, I'm sure it should be on there. Um, Cause if he's yeah, got, I, I wanted to get him. If he's got stuff that's already him. been published, then it'll be on this list. Uh, so let's check. Yeah. Forever yeah, Watch. Should be, should be able to find him. The Forever Watch, David Ramirez. Does that sound that's right? Him, yeah. All right. So let's see if he's got anything else. Yeah, I couldn't find any. Yeah. First edition, 2014. So that's like 10 years ago now. So he's got the Forever Watch. It looks like he's got maybe a. Short story in an anthology called Outpouring Typhoon Yolanda Relief Anthology. And then something called The Black Disc uh, by David Ramirez. It, uh, publication of this book has been canceled. So that didn't actually get published. Yeah, so, so I don't know. Something must have happened. I tried uh, contacting him saying, hey, I want to interview you. I loved your book. And I got no answer. So... Uh... Well, maybe he's out of the business. Decided to pack it in. Too good. Too bad. I thought it was. I thought it was good. Yeah. Well, 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 well written. The, a little bit different. The other possibility, not to not to be that guy, but um, how you said how how long ago was Forever Watch? Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Well, there's his uh, his Facebook page. He hasn't posted anything since May of twenty twenty one. You're saying he's dead? I don't know. Usually they would put something out there, wouldn't they say that, oh, you know, the author. Maybe. But like yeah, on his I don't page see... it would say from X from this date to this date, you know. Yeah, I don't see I don't see anything one way or the other. So yeah. I'm not going to assume he's assumed room temperature, but uh he hasn't done anything in a while. All right. Cam's coming in to save Sci-Fi Snob. Hello, Cam. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good. What's up? Uh, I have a mini rant um, okay. on uh, X-Men 97, or yeah. X-Men in general. Yes. Um, I'm, 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 I'm sick and tired of hearing people co-opting this story uh, that existed long before their issue did, and insisting <laughs> that it's representative of their issue. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's civil rights or LGBT or anything that someone wants to say, oh, that's about me. Guess what? It's not about you. It's never been about you. Well, I, let me take that back. Maybe today it is, current Marvel writers. But the, the origin of this was a superhero comic mm -hmm. to have, uh, you know, action and sell books. It certainly has touched on uh, many themes about being an outsider and so on and so forth. Here's some news for everybody. Feeling like an outsider is not exclusive to your group and your narcissistic view on the world. <laughs> it can apply to anybody of any group. Right. So stop trying to twist it into your personal narrative and just accept the story and storytelling for what it is. See, the other the, the big thing about this with Morph 
non-binary as a term wasn't a thing in the 90s. Now, that, that particular mental condition might have existed. I, I can't speak to that. But nobody had, that term had never been used for anybody back then. And canonically, if you go back and you look at all of the wiki entries or anything for Morph, he's always listed as a male. And this this non-binary garbage, <clears throat> this is this is retconning something into something that didn't even exist at the time this show was made. So if you're going to be making a show as if it's made in 1997, then you should be if you're going to to lean into the politics and message stuff, then you should be leaning into what whatever was going on in 1997, not in 2023, 2024. What? I did not inhale. Oh, wait. No, that's earlier. Well, that was... About when that. was that? 93, 94, when that happened? When did when did that happen? That would have been that would have been ninety two during 90, the ninety two election cycle. Ninety seven would have been Diana, period. Yeah, I mean she died it, in ninety seven. Yeah, but summer. in terms of in terms of gender politics, we were fighting over gay marriage back then. I mean that was that was that was the extent of it. There was there was none of this you know gender bent any any garbage. And so if you're going to do ninety seven, then. Look at what was going on in the world in '97, and there's your, there's your framework. But I'm with you, Cam. It, this it doesn't. It's not always about whoever it is they want to make it about to be. Well, uh, and and sorry, Snob. Just one one other thing. Um, it, do any of these people think about the fact that it's like okay, if if I'm just going to say groups A, B, and C. <clears throat> well, it's all about group A because I'm group A, and group B says it's all about group B. And group C says it's all about group C. Mm -hmm. Well, did you ever consider that you're in conflict with each other about that then? Because if it's if it's about C, then it's not about A. But if it's about all, all of those things, then it's about the larger human condition. Like, oh, I don't know, storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, talks about. It's like th these people do not understand storytelling. Yeah. No, it's, I agree. And Weatherman, yeah, Weatherman says, just entertainment with storytelling. Don't preach to me. I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with Cam. Um, everything is about me. I am the center of the universe. <laughs> but not until the um, future. Yeah. You're the exception in, in, in reality, you're... I mean, you know, the whole idea of how we are writing this stuff is you're supposed to write it in a, you know, somewhat ambiguous way so that it can be taken by every group, right? Like that's yeah. the whole idea of the, of the X-Men. They're mutants. Yes. They are... They're different. And so anybody who ever feels different in their life, which is everyone, we all feel on the outside at some point in our lives. We all feel different. You don't have to be non-binary or LGBT to feel that way. Everyone's felt that way in their lives. Yes. And that's why we like the mutants, because we can see we see ourselves in them because we all feel like outsiders at one point. Well, and here's so here's the other thing to that to that point. Stop. I don't know why they want to steal it. Some people want to steal just for themselves. No, no, well, it's about me. No, it's but, universal. But the thing is, if you take it that if you if you continue along that route to the to the whole, you know, cultural appropriation, these these people are talking about me, right? If 
you stop and consider who the X-Men fought, a lot of times they were fighting other mutants. True. Very so true, do yes. you, if you want to embrace this as being about blacks, being about transgender, being about homosexuals, being about fill in the blank, do you really want to embrace the concept that your people are fighting your people? I made I mean, this exact do you want, point. Do on... we want to talk about black on black crime? I mean, that, I mean, because that's where that goes. That's yeah, where that I, analogy I... leads, and and it's a it's a slippery slope that they don't want to be on. Well, I, I talk... think, I think Sorry, more. I mean, I, I take your point, um, but I think what's more interesting is that why is it that you have a a universal story, you know, where people and I, like I said, everybody feels like the outsider at some point. And are you then trying to argue that, no, I'm more of an outsider than you? It's the oppression Olympics? Yes. Like, why do you need to say, oh, no, no, only I am being oppressed. No one else has ever been oppressed in the history of civilization or, or well, I mean, why is exact, that? That's exactly what it is. It's the, the victim narrative and, and victimhood, fake victimhood, I should say. I have nothing but respect and, and sorrow and 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 good feelings towards actual victims, these fake victims, it, it is a currency. It, it, it is the SJW, woke, whatever you want to call it, currency. If you're a bigger victim, then you can be a bigger a-hole, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. you can do something to someone else because, oh, you're a victim. It's activist, active victimization. Vic, victim, vic, it's, it's activist victimhood. It's how do you, how do you, how do you mash those together? Act, active victims? Active victims. I mean, I mean, They're you really don't need. You don't need to be a victim to be an a hole. I mean, I show, I prove that every day. <laughs> no, but but Cam's right. The you know, depending on how many different boxes you check in the oppression Olympics, you know, it's it's you know the different levels. I'm I'm oppressed to the nth degree. You're only you're only oppressed. You know, cubed. I'm oppressed. You know, to the tenth power. So I'm I'm more of a victim than you are. So I get to speak out more than you do, and and you have to listen to me, because I have I have more boxes checked. Well, it's a lot of what the intersectionality is about, right? It's like, yeah. uh, you know, how many intersections of oppression can you have? Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's literally stated to be that, but that's essentially what it becomes in a lot of a lot of times. Yeah. Well, and 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 it all basically has its root in Marxism. It's it's class envy that has been translated now into other categories, uh, you know, because because Marx Marxism was based on income. You know, you have your haves and your have nots. You have your elites. You have the bourgeoisie. You have the the low the lower class, second class citizens, whatnot. That language and that hierarchy structure has been adapted to race, gender, gender identity if you want to if you want to say that there's two different things there, sexual orientation, all of that has been co-opted by this marxist theory of the group identity think. And it, you see it in all of our entertainment, you see it in the media and 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 it goes back to Let's check however many boxes. But it's a way to set up somebody 
as the as the villain. Usually it's the straight white guy, but it's not always a straight white guy. It's the boss. It's, you know, the governor, if he's a Republican. So it's it's that kind of thing. They're trying to set up, well, like for reparations. Give, give me something to compensate my being a victim. Whether you're a legitimate victim or not. It's yeah, and you're like you said. It's it's oppression. It's oppression Olympics. So, yeah, I think I mean all these things are very much, you know, it's been pretty self-evident over the last five to ten years that this is, you know, what you've you've both expressed is pretty much correct, and and I would agree. I think it's the intersectionality stuff that's been. I mean, this isn't new information. It's just it's just been going on for so long for five to ten years and i think you know my impression and maybe i'm wrong is that you know the vast majority of people in the west are tired of it and don't believe in it there's still a a a core group of activists and you know certain people at the elite levels like you know your bob Igers and stuff who are still pushing this sort of thing and that's the only reason it's still out there i mean it's not making money the vast majority of people don't agree with it and don't care or well, or don't care about it. It's, but it's, yet it's still being that's the interesting thing to me. Why is this still being pushed when it's so obvious a loser? Well, because two things. It it's it's about power and control. And for a certain group of people, it is about making money because you, you have your Al Sharptons and your Anita Sarkeesians and your Brianna Woos and your Zoe Quinns. And and your your Cory Booker's uh, who sit oh. out there and you, you know uh, uh, what's his name Capernick, they yeah. they make their living off the grift, and, well, I... and the grift depends on the victim narrative or the oppression narrative. So you give me money so I can fight the man. Now the See, other I... thing is you got people like you mentioned Bob Iger, his push to do it is purely political. It's um, it's I'm going to do this in order to set myself up to succeed in politics. It's a political see, decision for him. I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I agree and disagree. I mean, the, the activists on the side, like the Al Sharptons and the Brianna Woos, those types. I mean, they're just picking up the scraps, right? They're picking yeah. up the scraps that Disney throws to them. There'll always be some group in society a small number that are going to complain about it. And they're going to, you know, they make they try to make a living complaining about something, anything, yeah. and hoping that people will throw them some some dollars and then, you know, they can, you know, eat those up, those dollars up until, you know, that grift fails and then move on to the next one. But so you- I don't really, I don't really think of them as that important to it other than they help, they, they push the narrative a little bit and help to, you know, bring some attention to it. It's yeah. the, it's the Bob Igers. It's why the, um, you know, any t- any large corporation who's supposed to be making money would entertain this stuff when they when we've got enough data to know that this fails and I'll just you know just point yourself to you know Marvel Phase Four as an example of, of all Disney Plus right as but, an example of all these things failing. But that goes back to my original point. It's not a, it's not about money for these people. It's about power and control because it's it's a political decision on one on one side of the equation, in order to appeal to 
not the customer, but the the DEI industry, the the Black Rocks and the Vanguards and the World Economic Forum and and the 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 WHO and the UN and and these these globalists, they don't care about they don't care about the money. They don't care about you know financial success or anything like that. What they care about more is getting you under control so that you can tell them what to do. I, I saw somebody posting earlier today. Uh, they went in to get the their uh, uh, license tags renewed, right? He goes in to renew his tags, and while he's there, he's renewing the tags for his daughter's car. And she has to pay more for the renewal because she's driving an electric car. It's like, well, wait a minute. How does that work? Why is that? Why is it any different? Well, because the electric cars don't use as much gas, and so they're not paying as much in the gas tax, which finances the roads. So, in order to make up for it, they're paying higher uh, license renewal fees on the car because they're not using as much gas. So it's all it's it, the the idea eventually is to get everybody so they're not driving at all. And you get into these little fifteen-minute, uh, fifteen-minute communities, the little fifteen-minute cities. You know, Bill Gates is build, building one out in Arizona. They're building one in Saudi Arabia because they want to control your behavior. They don't want you driving cross-country. They don't want you in a in an internal internal combustion engine vehicle. They want you just right here. Here's your house, and there's the store, and there's the library, and you ride your bicycle, and everything's good. And, and and they they control your behavior and it, and and money doesn't matter at that point you know hear, hear me out hear me out for one second uh let them you go ahead and build your little <laughs> gulag and 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 exile yourself to it and leave me the hell alone or at least you know i'll escape yeah. <laughs> you go ahead and do your little dystopia there and stay away from me i would agree with you cam except for the point where they come with the with the firearms to force you into one of those communities that's that's well, that's what a lot of people are worried about yeah, yeah. what's that's, coming i i actually like 15 minute cities they're pretty cool and it's been a staple of science fiction stories that I read when I was young for like a lot of times. And it would be it's a very interesting concept. And it's kind of how we used to live, because yeah. let's take like New York, for example. New York was all these little boroughs and people just left lived, lived in their boroughs in the 19th century, late 19th century, because they didn't have cars. They couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So we're, it's kind of what we're living in now with the car is kind of an anomaly. Now, I mean, I completely agree with you, Jason, the whole you know, it's forcing people into that. If you want to live in a 15-minute city, go right ahead. That's fine. Yeah. But the whole forcing, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. And there's just too many guns in America. No one's going to force Americans to live in those cities. If, if there's a gun per person, it's not going to happen. Which, but no, I, which I, I, sorry, I wanted to go back why, and Which say, is why they want to take our guns. I mean, you look at what yeah, happened yeah. What happened at the at the uh, the Super Bowl parade here in Kansas City on Wednesday. Yeah. It, it, almost shooting, immediately, right? almost immediately, you have your leftists out there going, well, it's about the guns. Not, no, it's not. Because if we, and I, I said this to, to Mindy at the time, if we were living in an open carry society, now in some states it's legal, open carry is legal. But not a whole lot of people do it because of the, of the, the social stigma. But if we yeah. were living in an open carry society, an armed society is a polite society. If you got these gangbangers coming in and they see 40 or 50 people around them who are armed, I don't think they're going to start doing anything. 
But see, the yeah. the government, the elites, it's not necessarily the government. It's this World Economic Forum crowd, the globalists, want to take the, the guns so they can put you in the gulag. Jason's been reading the Too Much Highland lately. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean I just, I've been reading the I news. I'm looking to, at what's happening now in the real life. I wanted to go back to your, your point about, like, Iger. I mean, mm-hmm. and, you know... Yeah, he's doing it for those people, but he still needs to get elected by the American people, right? Right. Unless you think that, you know, there is no elections anymore. I mean, you know, if you're Bob Iger and you're saying, hey, I'm pushing all these things, nobody likes them. Oh, I'm going to use this to become president. Well, I need the, uh, I need, you know, in theory, I need the support of 50 plus one of the American population, yet they obviously don't support these kind of things because i'm yeah. losing money for my company so how does that work out like that doesn't make well sense it, it well it, it kind of because you're you've got you've got your rank and file democrats who are going to vote for the de- democrat no matter who it is and in in this country you have about 30 percent 25 to 30 percent are definitely hard core i'm going to vote democrat no matter what You've got about 25 to 30 percent that are hardcore Republican. I'm going to vote for the Republican no matter what. I mean, we we held our nose and we voted for Mitt Romney because he was the candidate. We held our nose and voted for John McCain because he was the candidate. I mean, that those are those are the thing we 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 go with that candidate because he's in the party. Then you have the 30 ish percent that's in the middle, the independents, the the people who are non affiliated. And that's generally where the swing happens one way or the other, depending on how policies are presented and how well a candidate campaigns and whatnot. But these days, you know, anybody who's uh, slightly left of center is too far to the right for this crowd. And the, the, the leadership of the Democrat Party has been captured by this activist group that's, you know, social media, you know, the Twitter crowd, the cancel cult, however you want to say, the progress, the hard progressive left is running that that party. And the general rank and file Democrats don't matter at that point. Yeah, because no, I mean, the, 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 the leadership of the party is going to decide who the candidate is. And if they decide they want to run Bob Iger, they're going to run Bob Iger. And you're going to have 30 percent of the country who's going to vote de- Democrat for Bob Iger because he's the Democrat. So, and, and they I mean, don't I've, care what his policies are. Yeah, I've heard everything. I mean, I've heard everything you said before, uh, but I've seen it expressed as 40 percent, 40 percent. And then the 20 percent um, independents who basically decide. Yeah, I think I think those numbers have shifted but, since 2020 because all because of all of the shenanigans, because you yeah, have maybe. you have you have people who have been Democrats and Republicans their whole lives who are sitting there going, I'm done with either party. Yeah. And I would I would suggest that, I, like I said, I've been following American politics for the last 25 years. I find it very interesting. I'd say that Trump is a uh, the election of Trump and even having him be so popular in the Republican Party is a response to the uh, Republican rank and files uh, being upset with the party elite and the Mitt Romneys and the John McCain's that it is exactly that foistered upon them. So, um, yeah. Well, not only Um, that, but but the fact that the fact that that Trump is a populist 
more than he is a Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, yes. that appeals to a broader spectrum of voter because he's sitting here. It, it was the same reason why Rush Limbaugh was so, so, was so successful. He's saying the things that other people are saying, only now he's doing it in a public forum that's getting a lot of news coverage. And it's like, that's what I've been saying. And so he's got a lot of people that are, that are sitting there going, this is my guy. Cause he's saying the same thing I've been saying in the barbershop for the last 10 years. So when are the Democrats going to get their version of Trump? They is don't. It, Cause uh, it doesn't RFK work. RFK Jr. It doesn't no, work on I mean, that side. No, they're, they're frightened to death of RFK. They don't Bernie want Sanders. Oh no. You, you saw what they did to Bernie. Yeah, yeah. They like Trump. How come Trump is able to, you know, like because who's Trump, the, because who's the left leaning Trump, because there's not there one. are there's not there one. Are, and we, uh, no, there's there not are one. Democrats who are upset with the party and no, are like, yeah, hey, but this is- but the party circles the wagons around the party. And yeah, whoever the party decides the, the candidate, the Republicans don't do that because the Republicans are more independent, individualistic than than yeah. the Democrats to yeah. their detriment in some cases. But we're not going to ever have a Democrat Trump because there's their their policies, their ideas don't hold up in actual practice. Because you look at you look at the kind of things that they really, really want to do, and you're going to end up with the gulags and the concentration camps and the re-education camps. And you look at Cambodia and you look at Vietnam, you look at Korea and you look at, at Cuba, you look at the Soviet union. It never works. Look at California. You know, California is a perfect microcosm of what they want to do worldwide. And it doesn't work. And you're not going to get anybody who's going to stand up there like Trump and say, I'm going to do all of this stuff for you because he can't. And the other part of that is is that Trump doesn't doesn't owe his allegiance to any money people. He hasn't been bought and paid for by PACs and global organizations and the lobbyists on K Street. They can't control him because they don't own him, and that scares them to death. Okay. Well. And, oh yeah. Yeah. So just to clarify, when I say Trump. A left-leaning Trump, I mean a Trump that is not, I mean a politician that is not beholden to the party, because that's basically what, what yeah. I, I don't mean, like I, I, I mean, you know, someone right. who would be completely left-wing, but, but okay. Yeah, the Democrats, I, I, the I Democrats your... wouldn't be able to do that because if they, yeah. if they, if they can't control the, the candidate, then they don't want him. Well, I mean, there are a number of left-leaning millionaire billionaires who are in the, you know, the, the Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, though, uh, you know, I mean, Musk was was left leaning he he admitted to it until what the last election or Trump's election or something yeah something like I that. mean most of those guys are left leaning like you you couldn't tell me that a Bezos or someone like that couldn't come out and say hey I'm not beholden to anybody I can I can do what Trump did I mean these guys are way got way much way more money than Trump and I think it was 2016 election it basically cost a billion dollars to yeah. you know to run the entire show for Hillary Clinton and that was like the most expensive ever. I'm not sure how much Biden was. Yeah. So you know, if you're Jeff Whoever, Bezos, you got a hundred billion. What's a what's a billion here? A billion there? Yeah, but they're outsiders to the to the elite to the party to the elite. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they got to kiss the ring, and and I, if if they were going to run somebody that was like that, then the Democrat Party would have embraced uh, RFK Jr. And they yeah. didn't. 
So I um it's it's I find it funny because I see a lot of uh, you know conspiracies in the last 20 years have become a little more uh, mainstreamed and well because some of them have been proven right but uh, there's a lot of you know like the rank and file uh, Democrats and Republicans a lot of them believe some of them believe the same thing you know like the whole oh the big farmers out to uh, you know just wants to take our our money and, and keep us sick and a lot of these you know that were in the past considered left-wing conspiracies. You know the yeah. the governments after us and and the big corporations are trying to screw us. Those have been conv- like Republicans believe a lot of those now as well. Yeah. Some of them, you know. All right, like, M- MS MS has pointed out that we're talking politics. We have gotten off track quite whoops. a bit here, just because. All right, so here's here's a new thing. How about we do this? Anytime we kind of stray into politics, if we kind of stray into uh, topics that are not in our wheelhouse, somebody can give us a $5 super chat to stop. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. So keep go. going. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Hojo's in the back. Uh, Hojo, give me a link to your project. Let's get that called up and running. And then we will we will give him the floor. And uh, I'm assuming to him, I should probably not do that. Um, <laughs> so we'll do this. Let me let me call this up here, and then uh, Snob and Cam, if you guys want to sit in the back or or hang tight here, I'm gonna let Hojo have the spotlight. Let me pull up the project here. Let me bring Hojo into the stream. Welcome. Hey, Hojo. What's up? What's up, guys? All right, we have here the Mythicals. Which is now funding Sorry, I'm driving. Just... Indiegogo. All right, so Hojo, I'm going to let you have your head. Go ahead, tell me about this project here. Okay, well, it's a uh, supernatural action mystery or horror action mystery, however you want to slice it, that cobbles together the best parts of like uh, Wildcat, and Buffy the Vampire, which centers around someone who gets dragged into this whole world of monsters and magic, gets recruited by Level M, which is like a covert task force comprised of these creatures from myth and legend. And this is this and is so issue in the first issue two. This issue two. So I have both issues available on the campaign. I dropped the Indiegogo link because I'm about fifty percent from funding there, but I've already funded well, well over the total on uh, Fund My Comics. So it's it's whatever the uh, the reader wants, whatever platform you want to. Uh, to um, this is America. I'm a capitalist. Uh, as long as I get your money, I don't care where it's coming from. As long as it's not, you know, you're not killing people for a living. Yeah. But I'm not asking those questions because I don't want to know. Um, but it's uh, it's a really good story. That's it's it, like it's a floppy, man. I'm not doing graphic novels because I couldn't on the first book. Yeah. I had to split it up into two or three. Um, I do work for a living. Uh, I don't do this full time, but I've been in and around comics since I was about nine years old. It helped me learn how to read. I was an only child, um, so I read a lot. And I just got tired of what you guys were talking about, man. Don't tell me that these stories that I've enjoyed my whole life suddenly aren't for me because I don't... He's breaking up. He's breaking up. I know. Drive it. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, you got me now. I got you now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting ready to go through a bad spot sometimes, but it's a good story. They don't tell good stories anymore. They 
tell you what to think versus how to think. Like, to me, like, comics back in the day were thought-provoking. They would make me think about things, not tell me what I need to think or what I should know and if what I think is wrong. Right. Um, the only thing that matters is a good story. The only message is freaking entertainment. Yeah. I like, agree. And I, and like Marvel... This is this is this looks. I'm I'm liking the I'm digging the artwork here. This is uh, this is pretty good stuff. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, we on a floppy. Look, keep this in mind. On a floppy, on the first issue, my first foray into crowdfunded making a comic uh, over 11k, which may not seem like a lot because people are pulling down. Like some people could pull down 25 grand in a night. That's cool. I'll get there. Um, I'm building the following. Like, I say some spicy things, but sometimes you can't really deny that they're true. They just might hurt your feelings. But uh, there's this guy that wears a funny hat that says, uh, facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah. Um, so who did... Uh, the, there's, a, there's a question in the chat. Who did the artwork on the interiors here? Uh, his name's uh, Alexandre Nascimento. Mess it up. He's Brazilian. He draws on paper, by the way. Nice. Um, uh, he, is, I wanted to work with him, and I'm not under an NDA, but like a self-imposed NDA. You're going to know his name soon, so, um, but probably not through my work. Uh, that's all I can say. <laughs> okay. He was a joy to work with. Uh, my anchor, uh, the first one, because I'm always looking to get better, and things happen. But we tried to keep the same style, and. Uh, on this issue, we almost went, went with a kind of almost a, I wouldn't say simple, but a cleaner look, less cross hatching, like almost like invincible, like people have compared it to that. And Michael Bancroft's The Lucent, which getting compared to anything that guy does is just kind of, it's, it blows my mind. But uh, people were very receptive to the story because, I mean, I know we were talking about the X Men, but like the cape stuff, it's, 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 I wouldn't say it's dying. I enjoy like I, I'm 42, and I was pretty much done with the X-Men and all that stuff in the mid 90s. Like, wow. once I discovered there was this little imprint called Vertigo, it was all over. All of <laughs> right. that stuff. I en I enjoy it for what it is. Like, I'm a huge Defenders fan, which I kind of put that into this because they were like what they called a non-team, and they couldn't stand each other, but they had a goal, which was you know to save the world, kind of like this. All of these people, and you, I guess I'd call them people, like the monsters, the mythicals, which is like my blanket term for uh, like a mutant or a metahuman. So, like, it, it, like the cat talks, he tells her on her first day at work, everything you think you know, just throw it out. Everything is pretty much in one way, shape, or form. Every myth, legend you've heard has been real at some point. So I got a big sandbox of world mythologies I can kind of string together and do my fun... Uh, I can do my impression of fables. Sure. Now, uh, got a got a question in the chat on how much you're paying your artist, and do you have a place to talk to people online? Are you on our Discord? Um, I think I've seen you in uh, a Discord, but you can add me. Uh, I think I'm in with Nick Weiser. Okay. I think I'm in that with you. Okay. I think I've yeah. seen you there. Let me let me do that. I'll send you a link, and you can join our Discord, and that way, with people people have got. Uh, questions about your process they can they can jump sure. in there and you can stop we'll do that 
Okay, so MS, that's okay. what we'll do there. I pay my artists on time. What they <laughs> ask for. Um, I don't, like, this is a, I, I have contracts. Like, this is, I did a lot of research before I did this, and I, I kind of preached that to a lot of people. It's it's kind of surreal that some people come to me and be like, how did you do this? How are you getting started? Yeah. Because these are the same questions I was asking two years ago to people where they were like, just go to YouTube. Just be on YouTube. I can't. I, I, my time is precious because I work a lot and I have a wife and two small children. Yeah. So that's why, like, I'm the day shift guy, man. Like, once 5 o'clock hits, you don't really see me much on Twitter unless I'm refreshing a link or, you know, maybe I'll say something. Or You always have to be promoting. It's like, and I describe it as, like, at my level, you have to be um, a shark. If you stop swimming, you're going to drown. If you're not looking for somebody to look at your stuff, nobody's going to see it. you got to push it in front. I treat Twitter and all that like a gigantic comic convention and a comic shop. Like, oh, maybe you like that? Well, check this out. Yeah. All right, so here it is over on uh, fundmycomic.com. And uh, you raised 1,691% of your goal. That's impressive. Yeah, not too shabby. Not too yeah, shabby. Not too shabby. How, how has, how has uh, Fund My Comic worked for you? Is it working out pretty well, I guess? It looks like it's working pretty good. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I know Luke Stone. Like, I was, I, my, uh, I was in a DM group with him when I first got started. And he's uh, really helped me a lot, kind of shepherded me along and, tell me the do's and don'ts and you know insider tips but uh when he was naming this uh, i came up with uh, i'm not even gonna tell you the name that would have been fun my comic i lost obviously um but <laughs> i've been there since the beginning i was one of the first like 10 campaigns on uh fun my comic when it launched which is like i think march of last year God, it's almost been a year it hasn't even been a year look what he's managed to do yeah yeah it's impressive uh, I mean, there are some coding things. I'm not like, I'm in the electronics industry, but I fix hardware and I don't really mess with, I mean, I work with the other stuff, but I don't, I don't really mess with software. So it has its flaws like any new fledgling site would, but they can adjust in real time. And if something's wrong, you have an issue. Guess what? You can talk to somebody. Yeah. Well, okay. So is Snob is asking in the chat if issue mm -hmm. one is available in as part of this campaign if people are just now finding yeah. it can they get the first issue as in this i see there oh, is a digital um, okay yep yep there uh, i have a digital catch-up here and i have a physical catch-up here which is like on the first book i had these two amazing covers right yep. one from dan Dahl, one from peter gilmore um it's like choosing your favorite child so on this reprint it, reprint issue for issue two for issue one you're going to get both. This could be like the old school Marvel presents where you flip it over and it's the other cover. Gotcha. Um, so you can do that. If you, with Indiegogo, it's simple. You just, it's an add on will pop up, but with fun, my comic, pay attention to it. When you read the description, there is a, a, a coupon code that I designed that'll take $6 off the top. So you don't get dinged extra for shipping because I have it set up. They don't have it set up to where it's like an add on feature or whatever. So right. you came up with a coupon code to where you can get, if you want just cover A or B of issue two, right? You can get that plus issue one for a combined total with shipping for thirty-three dollars, and you're gonna get the stickers and all the cat, all the uh, uh, stretch goals, um, all of that. So, like, I'm not trying to rip people off. Like, money, give me money, give me money. I only want enough money to give you stuff. Like, sure. I don't. 
like I didn't get in this. Anybody that gets into this at my level, it's like I want to make a lot of money. Uh, you're retarded. <laughs> um, you would be better off going to get a metal detector and going to the beach because this ain't easy and this ain't a especially now like if i did this back in 2018 um people's like oh dude you would you would definitely be making like 25 35 40 maybe even 50 an issue yeah but this ain't 2018 man i don't don't tell me that i don't care i do what i can with what i have um but it's it's fun like this is a passion for me i love the story i wrote this story back in 2005 there is a any comic people in there if they've ever heard of um cross-gen comics oh right um right. like lapresti yeah mark wade and all those guys used to work there lapresti and andy smith and uh top tier people well i knew a guy I was, in, I was stationed with a guy i was in the army and he, he said he knew somebody that knew somebody that was sleeping with somebody that knew somebody at cross-gen he's like i can definitely get this in front of an editor's uh eyes i'm like cool so we worked on it worked on the concept it's, it's changed a lot since then um it's been updated for a modern audience. Sure. <laughs> I.e., there aren't any flip phones, you know? Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. And so one day I was poking around on Twitter and I saw, I was looking at my terrible sports team, and I saw an image of something. And then it said trending. It was Ethan Van Skyver, calm down, Cam. Uh, I was like, I know that dude. So I started poking it and I found Comicsgate and I found a lot of. Uh, like-minded individuals and like like i said i'm not i'm not into labels you can call me comscape whatever you want to call me just don't call me late or lazy which i am not <laughs> uh i'm an independent comics creator i will i will i will ride that to the day i die yeah i mean i love the spirit of comicscape i'm not all of that stuff above me that like all the drama all that it is above me because i don't i'm not saying it's beneath me or i'm above it i'm just saying it doesn't affect me like people don't come after come after me because of what I say. Really, well, I mean they do, but I get muted. Um, I try to keep it professional. I just want to give my story to as many people that'll look at it. That's all. Yeah. Um, well, and that's and that's the way you got to do it. I mean, you're you're looking out for yourself and your customers, and yes. and any fans that you have, and everything else is peripheral to that. It has to be. Yes. The main goal is production of this book. And tell them the best story I can. All the rest is just either noise or icing on the cake. Like yeah. I told my wife, I said, and I'm still operating at a loss, mind you. Like people are like, "Oh, you made all that money." What? It's not a lot of money. This stuff costs money to produce. Take take away the artists, like paying the artists. I have to pay to get the books made. I have to pay for the mailers. I have to pay for the tape. I have to pay for. I have to pay to pay to pay to pay. All the stretch goals that cost money. Yeah, um, the cards I make, like I have a metal card that costs money. I mean, people believe it or not, artists like to get paid. Modelers like to get paid. I've taken a few writing commissions. I don't get paid as much as the people who draw books, but yeah. I still do it because I love. I don't call myself a writer or an author. I'm a freaking storyteller, man. Like if you give me like three prompts, I will I will bang out a story. I'm quick. I've been doing this my entire life. I grew up reading. Robert Louis Stevenson, Jules Verne, you know, H.G. Wells, uh, some Isaac Asimov, he's a little wordy for me. Uh, Lovecraft is way too wordy for me, but I consume, I read, I learn, and if you read issue one and go to issue two, you're going to see that 
Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm not saying I know what I'm doing. I feel like, uh, but I do know how to tell a story, and I have paid attention to how to, a comic is made and how a comic panel should be. And how, yeah. You know, I have the Osmond books. I know comics. Like, you can't just say, like, oh, you just came in. Ah, he keeps cutting out. Yeah. I keep uh, we we keep losing the signal there. Stories. Yeah, you you're you're cutting out uh, quite a bit now, Hojo. You got so, me now. Yeah, I got you now. But uh, we'll we'll put the link to this campaign All right, in well, uh, in the in the description here, so people can check it out. Are you Only there? ten minutes from my home. Dang it! All right. <laughs> yeah, I All mean, right. I appreciate you guys having me on because I was like, I'm gonna run home and get the laptop out. Now that's good. I we, mean, we'll, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Now, is this is this still funding on Fund My Comic, or is that one closed? No, no, it's still funding. It's you still can, funding. Uh, All right. So we'll put it up today. Um, I I'll put both links in our notes so people can find it. Sure. All right. Cool. All right. Thank you, Hojo. Good luck with it. All right. I'll, I'm going to go back in the chat and listen to you guys. All right. Sounds good. See you, sir. Good to see you, man. All right. All right. So there it is. The Mythicals, number two. And, yes, Snob, it looks like you can get their first, uh, the first issue in that combo pack uh, with, some, with some stuff and perks and whatnot. So there we are. All right. So there's the Indie Showcase. I'll just, uh, I'll just, if I could just make a comment. I do have this book. I got the Peter Gilmore cover, um, uh, number one, not number two yet. Right. Um, and I enjoyed it. It, it like I said, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a, you know, supernatural mystery, secret agent kind of thing. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the first issue is kind of a, uh, uh, I don't want to say a prequel, but you know, it, it sets up where things are going. And yeah. then so number two you know, looks like it's going to take off from there. So Well, it says cool. here, here's, here's the setup. What happens when you add a grizzled werewolf, a sexy siren, and a talking cat jaded by centuries of government service to this already dysfunctional team? <laughs> uh, it says here, he's, uh, this is the second of 13 issues that have already been written. So it looks like he's got this going for a while, and it's just going to be getting the artwork done and getting this out in front of people. So, yep. Uh, Vaughn says, Cam sent me. How do I call in? The, the, the link is pinned at the top of the chat winj- widget, Vaughn. So you can find it there. Uh, you can just click on it and it says, uh, allow your camera and microphone. And then uh, you'll be right in there. Snob, what is this uh, link you're putting me in here? This is the, yeah, is I this just, the uh, full campaign or the two, the two parts? No, this is a, but this is to uh, my buddy's, uh, his own page where he's got extras for that um, small module. He's got some pre stuff for his, you know, the one that he's going to put on to Kickstarter and Indiegogo in a month or two, whenever it's ready. You can see Nietzsche's Demon is the uh, the name of the the name of the upcoming 60, 50, 60 pager uh, gotcha. campaign or whatever. So let me, yeah, let's let me well let me just call that up here, and we'll show some people. 
Jaegership is all right. So claws out is the doing. So let's. Oh, he's got a Reddit link too. I don't know if you want that. Uh, this is probably good enough. I don't know. Yeah, we can we can launch it from here because he's got he's got the Reddit link here, right? Right there it is. All right, so we're waiting for Vaughn to show up. Uh, the uh, link is there, and so Vaughn, when you get in here, uh, leave leave the link to your project in the private chat, and we will. Uh, we will have it in there, ready to go. Meanwhile, let's see what's going on over on, over on Twixer. I don't see anything going on yet. Let's see. Let's check the. Let's check the. Let's check the wires and see if there's any breaking news while we're waiting for Vaughn to jump in here. Uh, let's see. Bum, 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 bum. We got a review of the picture of Dorian Gray on stage. Let's see. I don't see anything just right off the bat. I mean there's more there's more layoffs coming at Paramount. But that's just gonna be the that's just gonna be the norm anymore. So, and who, that's that. All right, so while we wait for Vaughn. So, so any, any other, what do you guys, what do you guys think about what's going on with, uh, with the Fantastic Four? Are, are you guys okay with the casting? No. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very dispirited by it. I don't I don't like any of the casting. I, you know, some people are saying that the um, Invisible Girl is is okay, and and from what I've seen, I, I don't have any particular problem with with her. But the rest are just you know, like what is going ha, on. Have you seen Have you seen the Mission Impossible with her in there? Because she's in no. those. Okay, yeah, she's in she's in the last the the two the two most recent. Uh, things. And I think she does fine. She's she's okay, and she's a Kirby, so you know she's got the name going for her. I don't think she's related to Jack, but you know, mm. you know, she's at least I, a Kirby. Uh, I mean, I don't think Pedro Pascal is the great is a great choice. I think you know you could have gone with um, uh, the last guy. Uh, oh, Gunda. I, I can't. I never pronounce his name right. The guy from the original movies. Oh, Ian Griffold. Yeah, uh, nothing wrong with him. Yeah. He seems to look like Reed Richards to me. Even John uh, Krasinski, uh, Stakaki, whatever. How John, his name. John Krasinski. Yeah, uh, he was. You know, he was all right in. Uh, you know, his little uh, um, his little uh, cameo there in uh, Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah. But I would. I would. Uh, pick the other one before him see the, uh, I don't the irony Pedro or Pascal. the irony is that miles teller now that he's older because he played reed richards in fan fantastic from josh trank and, and he was you know when they were doing the kids team you know the ultimate version of this where they were younger when they became the fantastic four miles teller now i think probably could be a passable Reed Richards that he wasn't before. But I still don't think he's the right one. I'm I'm I keep racking my brain trying to figure out who I would cast 
if it's not Krasinski. But you're right. I I, I agree with the two of you. I don't think I don't think Pedro's the right person yeah. for Reed Richards. I, his his face is too round and puffy and and squishy. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's, uh, that's Ian, what it boils down Ian to. Doesn't look perfect. like Reed Richards. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like Reed Richards. Um, I don't. The other three, I don't see. I mean, Sue Sue Storm should be very good looking, I think, and I think that she that actress fits the bill. Um, I I don't know anything. I don't remember seeing her in anything, and then I don't I haven't seen the Mission Impossible's. I haven't. I don't know who the other two guys are. You know, they they should. I I don't see why they wouldn't be fine. Yeah. Um, uh, but, the the kid playing Johnny Storm is Eddie Munson from Stranger Things. If you're familiar with that show, um, the long haired rocker kid, I guess, uh, in the ball cap. <laughs> I think you know Reed Richards is kind of the key that you need him to. Um, well, I guess they all need they you know they well, all need to fill their roles properly. I should Reed, say that. Reed Richards is the key, unless the rumors are true and they're building this whole film around Sue Storm. Yeah, that's just in which case bad. Pedro doesn't matter. Yeah, that's just crazy. They need to focus on you know it's a team. It needs to focus on the team. Yeah. Um, and it should you know you can tell you know you do you do your team their team uh, group you do the team thing and then you know perhaps you know, movie three, four, or five are all focused on a little bit more on one character because that character might have a problem that, you know, the team needs to help them solve or, you know, yeah. it's, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. But, uh, you know, it's just like the justice league. Sometimes they fight Superman's villain or maybe it's a wonder woman villain or, or somebody that's, you know, they get oh. drawn into that way. But, you know, this is not really uh, focusing on Sue, Sue storm. I mean, I like your idea for the um, for the movie. Like, that's how I would set it up. Uh, I think that would be quite interesting. Uh, you know, I think that uh, that the, a movie is really the wrong way to go with Fantastic Four in in the first place. Uh, th- they've tried to do TV shows on Disney Plus, uh, you know, of Marvel, and I, none of them have really uh, landed. Uh, and the Fantastic Four is a big enough name that they could probably make something of it, you know, get people to come back, you know, and, and, and stick with it a little more and they could tell a much more complex story, which I think is, would, would probably be beneficial to, to make it work. Um, The only, the only problem I have with that is, I mean, I, I kind of agree, but the only problem is that, is that all the Marvel movies, Star Wars and the uh, Marvel uh, Disney movies or sorry, TV shows are pretty much stink. Even though they spend, <laughs> you know, millions of dollars on them, yeah, and I, I just don't understand why they can. I mean, maybe with a movie, they we can trust them. They've had a better, you know, Marvel's a better track record with movies than TV shows. But well, I think the, the the reason why that they they don't do well in terms of quality uh, for the writing side of things, and and I don't know who put together this montage, but you've got this, there's a, there's a video montage out there from all sorts of people who are involved in these writers and directors who are involved in, in Marvel phase four and five. And the repeated refrain is I never read the comic. I, we haven't read the comic. I'm not familiar with the comic. They told us not to look at the comic and Oh, you, when you, when you start to see a pattern, that the people who are responsible for making the filmed media have no understanding of the source material, then they're the wrong people to make make this thing. Uh, 
Now, the 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 Fantastic Four. If you've got somebody, if you're going to do it either as a series or a movie, the key to it is having writers or a writer who's familiar with the Fantastic Four and their history. And you look at something like X Men '97. Even though that's it's not a guarantee, you get somebody who knows it. Because Bo DeMaio has been saying, you know, he's a big fan. He grew up watching the series, and everybody in the writer's room has to be a fan of the original series. And yet we get non-binary morph and, and you know, what they did with Rogue. And, it's, and it feels like a little bit of a bait and switch because they were saying all the original cast is going to be back. And most of them are not playing their original characters. They're playing different characters. Yeah. And in I think terms... your uh, your point is, um, you know, you made the point that uh, I think that uh, Disney Iger, he made the point that he wants to hire, you know, 50% of their hires or whatever wants to be, you know, people who are marginalized. Yeah. And I think that's where they throw them all onto the, uh, the TV shows because they don't consider them as important as the movie. So they go, we're yeah. going to get our 50%. We're going to throw them on the TV shows. The product there is much Poor, well, that's that's uh, not a guarantee either, because 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 uh, Taika Waititi, you know, he does he does Thor Ragnarok, and in the interviews there, he's like, oh, I've never, I maybe after this, I'll watch, I, I'll read a Thor comic book. Like you just made made the you just made the movie, and you have admitted that you have no familiarity whatsoever with the character or the stories that you're telling or anything like that. So it, it's not it's not necessarily restricted to. The um, the the TV shows. It's yeah. all of Marvel. It's all of Dis- yeah. Disney Marvel and and Star and, Wars too, for for that matter. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's. I just I think uh, my point to Cam was that I think the chances would be better of a better product in the movie because yeah. they sent team. They seem to be focused more on those than the TV shows. The TV shows seem to be of an average lower quality than the movies. Not to say that any of them are good. You know, they still yeah. all need to. I mean, it's kind of depressing that we're not going to get any, you know, good. We don't. We can't look to mainstream pop culture for good stories. We need to go to, yeah. um, you know, Kickstarters and Indiegogos by independent creators if we're going to find anything that's good. Well, uh, Matt, Matt Tween says I think most character swaps are due to that non-negotiable DEI corporate directive, not always the writer's choice. I think their hands are forced. Well, that see, and that goes back to what Nia DaCosta was saying when she's talking about the Mar- directing the Marvels, how it's more uh, uh, Kevin Feige's project than it is Nia DaCosta's project. And so you you have these directors and 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 the not just the not just the writers who aren't familiar with the 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 source material, but your directors are being told from higher up, here's what kind of story you're going to tell, and it causes yeah, I mean, all sorts of problems. It doesn't matter to me where the where the uh, you know where the failure is. It's a failure in their system. Yeah. I don't care if it's at the highest level or the second highest level, or it's still a failure yeah. and. They need to get their, uh, they need to sort themselves out. Yep. All right, we're going to bring in Vaughn in here. Welcome, sir. Are you there? Can you see? It looks like you froze out. Yeah, is my camera? Hold on a second. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> what a lovely introduction, guys. Oh, I apologize. I got, you know, I was doing my makeup like Cam suggested I do. Uh, all right, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I should be getting, I'm getting my camera, plugging it back in again. So we'll see. If this actually worked, it did not. Okay, great. Well, you can just imagine how I'm 
looking right now. Well, we I saw. Imagine you we look saw exactly a, like your picture. We saw a very brief uh, still, still from your from your camera. You're looking like a like a young Hayden Christensen there. If you want to take that, mm. I'm I'm looking here at the at the website for your for your project here, and I'm seeing a Billy Tucci quote. Oh yeah, uh, he sent me that over text, and I was like, "Can you tweet that out so it doesn't look like I just made that up?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "He never got back to me." I'm like, "Well, if I tweet it, it's gonna look weird." Because it'll be, I could just say Billy said anything, and yeah. then he could just be like, <laughs> "No, like he did say it," but like, yeah. All right, so uh, tell tell us about this project, Phenomen Phenomenova. Do 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 yes. do do. Yeah, uh, you're you're not the first one to make that joke, by the way. Uh, so <laughs> Phenomenova is a superhero story. It's a coming of age, all all ages superhero story. It's set 20 years after World War Three. And follows this teenage boy who is the son of a World War III veteran who grew up idolizing the superheroes that fought in the war. And he is struck by lightning while holding this mysterious crystal and finds himself awakening with lightning powers and super speed. And this is basically his origin story. He's going to try and live up to the heroes that came before him. He's young, he's naive, but he's full of heart. And it's kind of hearkening back to those heroic ideals that this, uh, this genre is built on. And this is 64 pages, and yeah, I'm seeing... Yeah, I wanted to do a giant size first. Well, part of it was I could just... Uh, I had to just... There was so much I wanted to include, and I just decided to do it in that first issue. Right. Um, and uh, it is going to be... A, so Phenomenova is not the name of the main character. That is Galvanite is going to be a superhero name. Uh, but uh, Phenomenova will be the name of the superhero team, which we are going to be introduced to. But I really wanted to round out what's the point of having, you know, a, a story without a great character. You know, you can do all the world building and everything you want, but it means nothing, you know, without first establishing a main character. And if you'll notice, he doesn't really have a full on superhero costume. It's kind of just a, a rough one. And it was actually I wrote in the script that it would be tacky looking. And then every artist has done has made it look cool. And I'm like, okay, I'll run with it. You're stuck with it then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, damn it. It looks cool. No, it's, yeah. it's you know, it's good. It's All right. Good. So here's your, here's your creative team. Writer, writer, creator, Vaughn Colvin, Philip Cruz on the art. Uh, mm -hmm. Jesse Hagee on colors. Uh, Jorge Medina on letters. Joseph Serverlin, the editor, and Reed DeCenzo. As, how did you, how did you assemble your team? Where all are they coming oh, from? Man. It was funny. Someone was just yelling me going, dude, all your artists are great. Where do you get them from? I'm like, I'm going to give you the same answer I gave them, which is, dude, everywhere. Like, connections, it, like, every possible avenue. Okay, so my artist found through Facebook. My uh, color, like a Facebook group. My colorist I found recommended through a few mutual friends. Um, letterer, same thing, mutual friends. Uh, editor, Facebook. Assistant editor, high school. Uh, um uh, then I have my color artist I found through Instagram, and then I met her at a convention. Uh, that's my cover artist. And then uh, if you scroll down, Jules, the cover, uh, the trading card artist, I'm going to put them on the creative team as well. I found her uh, through the chat, actually, and we've been friends for years. We stream together. Uh, her, she's Juju, Jules in the chat. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she did the trading card art. Yeah. She was, uh, she was pictured at... Anna's wedding with uh, Cecil, Cecil out in public. I was there the night they first met. I, I think I was uh, part of how they met. Um, it was like, so she was a friend of mine online. We'd been talking for years, but we were never able to meet in person. We met at Garden State Comic Fest. And uh, uh, Cecil was hanging up out with us all that night. And then uh, 
next thing you know, you know, yeah. That's how <laughs> I, I so, would have never I remember on, when she first on. told me. Are they a thing then? Dude, when I first, when she first, it was like a month after the fact, she goes, Hey, uh, just she like never, we talk like all the time. She never once mentioned this to me. She just goes, Hey, uh, just letting you know, uh, just cause this is probably going to come out. Uh, I've been seeing Cecil. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, uh, no, but it's been great. Oh, they're great. Funny. They're a good couple. You even watch them on streams. Um, it's like, I mean, yeah, they're great. That's so. funny. All right. So, but this, no, I was surprised. But yeah, no, they're great. This, uh, this is not your typical, uh, your typical setup here for a pitch. This is your own campaign site. This is you're not doing Indiegogo or, or Kickstarter on this. Oh no, I am. This is a mail. This is the mailing list. I'm ah, planning gotcha. on launching on uh, fund my comic. Okay. So. Uh, well, actually, it's not set in stone yet, but I'm thinking fun my comic. I, I'm getting, I'm definitely going to do Kickstarter as well. I'm debating if Indiegogo is worth it. Here's the thing: most of the comics I've backed are on Indiegogo, but with all the shadow, I honestly think Indiegogo might be the worst one in yeah. terms of the algorithm. Like Isaac Bell did a great video where he's like, "Do not launch on Indiegogo," and I was like, "Oh, well, I was going to launch on Indiegogo." Uh, so I might change that. Like if you look up, I looked up Graham Nolan the other day on Indiegogo, right? Yeah. You look him up right now. He has an active campaign that I just launched a day ago. You will get five closed campaigns before you get his most recent. I saw him posting something about that because he was doing some frame grabs on the ones that were trending and was looking at the percentages, you know, the, 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 the funding percentages and he's he's sitting there saying, "Dude, our our percentage he was something like twelve hundred percent of goal or whatever within like twenty four or forty eight hours." He's like, "Why isn't our project trending? Because here's this one that's only two hundred percent, or this one's at fifty percent, and the discrepancy was jarring. It was really interesting to see that, and and, and I've seen other people." starting to complain about Indiegogo over the last couple of years, especially. Well, you know, it's interesting. All right. So I'll tell you this. So I was at Megacon recently and it's kind of shocking. Um, well, I guess not, but like they consider it like, like they're like, Oh, you know, if you're launching there, you're like CG or whatever. And yeah. so they just, they even, uh, even though the platform is just fairly new, well, apparently not actually, apparently it's very anti if anything, but so, uh, because of that, people will like get put on like almost like blacklisted just for going there. Now I don't care personally. I'm already probably blacklisted, whatever, but it's, uh, just a matter of, okay, is it, I mean, is it even worth it? It looks like it's a, uh, the numbers are going down. Uh, so I'm, I'm not necessarily ruling out Indiegogo, but it would also be a matter of where the customers want to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those... Well, see, and it's the other thing, too, because Kickstarter was the thing. And then Indiegogo mm -hmm. comes in, and Kickstarter did the, the shadow banning and the censoring of the Comicscape movement at the time. And everybody mm -hmm. went over to Indiegogo. They said, okay, we're going to do Indiegogo. And then Indiegogo started doing it. And, you know, whatever whatever issues that people have with Luke, with Luke Stone, you know, that notwithstanding, you've still got another platform out there with Fund My Comic, which also 
you know, has has this opportunity, has a, a forum for you to, to do the funding. And then you've got Eric July's model where he just builds his own website and does it does it that way. Um, I think Michael Bancroft was using Shopify for some of his stuff. Yeah, so he was you've telling got, me about that. Yeah, if I got, had their audience, uh, that's what I'd do. Yeah, but, uh, that's that's the thing. You got and and you know, Snob says it seems you can't escape the banners. I I think that if you have your own site set up, then you can control it a little bit more, and you can't avoid the censorship. But you're right; you have to have the audience. You've got to have the the exposure, and and it makes sense to me that you do all of the platforms that are available to you because you'll reach a different a different crowd with each one. That's one of the reasons why we're on YouTube and Odyssey and Facebook uh, and and Rumble because different people are on those different platforms. Weatherman, uh, good to have you here. Uh, Got to go have a good one yourself. Uh, be, be safe. But yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, Hojo says the algorithm on Indiegogo will push you for the first 48 hours and then drop you like a bad habit. Uh, mine disappeared from trending at exactly 48 hours. Interest, interesting. What's that? I sent you a meme. You sent me a Facebook. meme? Okay. It's, it's relevant to what we where, where did you send it to me? Facebook. Facebook. All right. So uh, so what's the timetable here, Vaughn, for this, for your launch? What, what's, your, what's your schedule? Yeah, man. So my schedule is, uh, is um, I'm planning, actually, I've decided, I'm like, you know what? Because my whole thing was I wanted to get this as much of it done as possible and then send it out as soon as possible. I know it's a big problem with a lot of the crowdfunding campaigns um, or just in general from customers. I know people are like, I want a quick turnaround time, especially for someone new. And so I was like, yeah, I'll get it mostly done. And it is more than halfway done. I think I'm going to start funding it next month is okay. my plan is to launch next month. And that way, while I'm, because I have to do all this big promotion anyway, so I'm like, might as well do it while it's funding. And then when I'm not promoting, I'll be working on finalizing it. So this, uh, that's my plan. And this is building up the audience and uh, building up the comic again. We are 32 pages penciled and inked. No, 30, 35 penciled and inked, uh, 20 colored. And we this, got a, I just got a new variant cover with more on the way. And it says here you've got a debut. This Rebel Oasis Studios. This is your imprint. What's the what's the it is. What's the uh, story apparently it's now? already a controversial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is really really. I remember someone had said offhand like, oh, I was like, oh, I wonder if people will see it as political. I was like, yeah, probably because it really wasn't. I just came up with the name because I'm like, oh, we're rebels. You know, we're. Whatever. And right. then my friend came up with the idea, oh, oh what if it's a gun palm tree? I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, wait a minute. You think people see it? I'm like, nah, pff, that'll be fine. And then I posted on Instagram, and then um, I swear to God, I'm not joking. They start, they start like, not letting me share it on my story. And I was like, what? And yeah. then it goes, they go, we can't let you share the link to rebeloasisstudios.com, which is literally just transforms into this MailChimp thing. They go, why? And then it goes, you see your details for why this flag goes, it's promoting terrorism. I was like, what? <laughs> right, because there's a gun. Yeah. But like, I'm like, it's an all ages comic book. Well, and and I've seen uh, I've seen some discussion 
lately, probably here in the last week or so, about Instagram and the problems that people are having over there. I, there was a story I just I just saw. Instagram was the most deleted app of 2023 out of all of the different social media apps. Oh, wow. That's yeah. nuts. Which, yeah, that kind of goes back towards, you know, Facebook because, you know, it's all owned by Meta. And I'm, and I'm wondering how, how, many, how many subscribers Facebook lost. If Instagram lost the most in 2023, where Facebook stood on all of that, too. Oh, Facebook. Facebook censored me, too. Yeah. Well, that's, that's Meta. Yeah, Meta, I know. Meta's going to do just... it on, on all of the platforms that they own. So I'm like, wh what did I do to Mark Zuckerberg? Oh, it's not that. It's the fact, <laughs> I know. It's, I'm just yeah, joking. Yeah, but you know, in any of this stuff, if there's any kind of imagery that can be misinterpreted, you know, by some by some blue haired checkmark that that you know sits behind a keyboard all day and and gets offended at everything, that's that's what that's who they're worried about. Right. So you're looking Absolutely. at this launching next month, you said. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Now, is this is this artwork here from the book? Yes. So that is, you get hints at what happened in World War III. I'd love to do a prequel story to the, like, because I was writing out the whole world and what happens in the background of the world in World War III. And I was like, dude, this is its own story. This is yeah. great. And so I do plan on uh, doing a, it would be called Crusader Corps would be the name of the team. Uh, so that would be set 20 years before this story during 20, more than 20 years, because it would chronicle over the course of the years of the war. Uh, that would be a prequel series I'd love to make. But this one, I want to be an ongoing series like Uncanny X-Men or uh, Spider-Man, you know, like really hearkening back to the superhero stories. I, yeah. I'd love to just. Very cool. But getting a first issue, obviously, you've got to have a very solid first issue to keep going. Or just you don't. I mean, some great runs start okay. But I want this to be good. <laughs> so. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put the link in the notes for our stuff. Are you on? Uh, I know you're probably on the Fun My Comic Discord. Are you on our Discord as well? Uh, I don't. This is the first. Cam's posted about the link. This is the first time I ever saw it. So I subscribe to your channel notifications on and everything. But no, I've okay. never seen your Discord. All right. Uh, the link to that is in our notes and in, in all of their, our video descriptions. So if you want to plug in over there, uh, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna link to your project in our description for this video so people can find it. And then when you launch, be sure to let me know so I can I can circle back to it and let people know that it's live. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to write that down. Uh, Sci-fi for me. Yeah, you got it. All right. Thank you. Cool, Vaughn. This this looks this looks interesting. I like the artwork. This is, this is fun. Uh, I, yeah, I'm big. I like it a lot too. Um, really was ha I was very picky. Not even just in terms of what I liked, but making sure I had a certain look that I felt really got what i wanted all right i just joined the discord all right cool all right sir and well good luck with the book and like i said when you when it goes live let me know we'll 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 push it out and let people know all right thank you so much for having me on yeah thanks for coming on and cam thanks for for letting vaughn know about this sure happy to spread the word all right thank, thank you, you vaughn so have a good one This actually looks pretty good. This looks this looks pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's a cool looking campaign. 
if uh, if I can make a comment, uh, Jason. Yes. Um, just you know, uh, like Vaughn. I mean, that's the that's a great creator, man. Just like he comes on, he's like full of energy. I mean, he makes me. I want to go and um, I want to go and uh, subscribe to his uh, you know his book and and read it just from his whole you know attitude and everything that I get from uh, you know him talking about it. He seems super excited. And, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. See, and that's and that's the thing. If you're if you're promoter. going if you're going to do any kind of of uh, media appearances or press tour or anything like that about your book, whether you're an indie book or you're uh, being published through Ban or Tor or or Little Brown like like MK Lob yesterday, and we were talking about that. You know, the imprint starting to expand into genre. Um, either way, you've got to have the energy. You've got to be, you've got to be on your game and you're, you are your own hype man and you got to have that, you know, practice it in front of the mirror, practice with your mom, practice with your, your girlfriend, your significant other, somebody who'll sit there and go, yeah, that sounds pretty good, but, and, and get better. And do your pitch, you know, figure out your elevator yeah. pitch. But yeah, and his, his was pitch good. was good, was good too. Pitch. It was it was short and you know like whatever thirty seconds, boom, and it gave you all the the key information. Yeah, you know, yep. like he uh, didn't sound like uh, me whenever I describe a movie. I like to my to whoever I just I give away all the stuff and I go on and on forever. Uh, <laughs> except, his was really great. Except yeah, except we're rambling you, old men. <laughs> well, yeah. you know. If you made videos, more people could see you rambling. Yeah. But oh, sick burn. <clears throat> All right. Oh, that's uh, two knives. Speaking, here we go. Uh here's here's something that's uh that's uh posting today. This uh this just hit the uh this just hit the web. Breaking uh over on Insider Gaming. Respawn is developing a first person Star Wars Mandalorian game. This is an exclusive, let's read it cold. Insider Gaming sources have revealed that Respawn Entertainment is developing a first-person Star Wars Mandalorian game that's in its early stages of development. According to sources, the game will see the player take control of a Mandalorian bounty hunter, unclear who, set during the time when the Galactic Empire is dominating across the galaxy. It's your job as a bounty hunter to capture bounties dead or alive for cash rewards. As first reported by VentureBeat's Jeff Grubb, the game was being led by Respawn creative director Muhammad Alavi, who left the studio to pursue his next adventure. According to Grubb, who didn't disclose it was a Star Wars game at the time, but has recently, the game will be focused on mobility and style as guiding principles. Game's high mobility has been made possible storytelling-wise thanks to The Mandalorian's jetpack, which allows the player to perform horizontal dashing, vertical jumping, boost sliding, somewhat similar to sliding down hills in Apex Legends, and more. Sources describe the game as very fast-paced and as such will reward players who play in this style. For example, the player's health will mainly regenerate based on successive kills. So, first-person shooter... No expected release date there, but uh, the fact that it's a Mandalorian game, is this further indication that uh, there's a little bit of a changing of the guard at Lucasfilm, possibly? 
actually, um, I know a guy who knows a guy who's actually working on this game. It's funny you bring it up. And he says that most of the game is you're sitting on your porch drinking lemonade and watching your baby uh, play in the yard. <laughs> that's, that's So I'm not sure. I think they're they're focusing on the wrong the wrong thing here. You think so? Yeah. No, but but seriously, uh, you know, I mean, The Mandalorian is a great idea for a uh, you know, a game. I mean, all those all those elements, it you know, what you uh, Titanfall has that kind of same, you know, what you've mentioned there, the sliding and the uh, it's you know, it's been done. I mean, it, you know, anything can be good if they just make it good i mean yeah as long as it doesn't follow the mandalorian story uh you know you could make a good game well it well and it depends too because what if what if you're able to follow more than one or you're able to play as more than one different uh mandalorian character not just din Djarin, but say you could play as boba fett or you could play as bo katan or you could play as um who else? I mean, who could you who could you do? You you could play as any of them. You know, a generic yeah, Death make, Watch character. You make your own Mandalorian. You can make you can they they have the freedom to make their own. There's lots of Mandalorians. You have a freedom to make your own Mandalorian. Uh, now here's hero here's, character whatever. Uh, here's where you could run into a problem because, like we've been talking about with with regard to Watsi at Microsoft people being in charge of Wizards of the Coast and and D and D Magic the Gathering and them wanting to do all this stuff online. If if respawn, I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with respawn to know their history with microtransactions, but they could end up doing uh, stuff where you could pay for certain things you could do to create your own new original character, as opposed to the 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 prefab characters oh. that are available so so you can yep. you can play as din jar and you can play as bo katan but if you want to create your own then here are these different options these cost extra money you know that's a great idea that i i, I wouldn't even let you play as one of the other guys it'd be like you're some mando and like like din Djarin started out with you know kind of a, a wreck of of uh, a set of armor and then you know through his bounties and everything he starts getting the best car and and the upgrades and all that and now that's 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 it shouldn't be paid to win but you could certainly do uh you know pay for cosmetics as yeah. part of that and and you know since the armor is such a huge part of of the character's appearance and you know their their mystique and everything i think people might go for that that, yeah. that could be pretty cool yeah all right pilgrim media just joining with a two dollar super chat thanks very much just watched your recent cameron pasha segment well thank you it's good to have you welcome uh i i uh we we have cameron on every now and again so um you know even though even though I got I got some people over on Twitter that are not too not too thrilled about the fact that I'm listening to Cameron on anything, but Cameron is not the only people that we quote with regard to Star Wars. That's all I say. I mean, there are other people out there. I mean, WDW Pro has his stuff. Doomcox got his stuff. Stephanie's got hers. There there are other sources that we will cite. So you know. I, I throw bags of salt at everything that everybody's reporting. So you know, I am I am an equal opportunity skeptic. Yeah, so 
going back to the Mandalorian video game, Respawn, they did do Titanfall and Titanfall 2, and I didn't know that when okay. I made the comment. <laughs> so I, I, I suspect it's probably very similar to like the movement of, like that. And people like those. Yeah. They've also done Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi uh, Survivor 2. So these guys are not, you know, this is a AAA studio. They're oh, not, so this uh, is, this is they did Fallen Order. Yep. Okay. And All right. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. They did Apex Legends as well. Um, so these guys are not, you know, they have some experience and it seems like what you described in that press release sounds like it's in their wheelhouse. So, you know, more than likely you're going to get what they're, uh, promising, hopefully. Hopefully. Well, and I have to wonder if, not if, I wonder how much of a free hand they get when they're designing these games. Because if it's, you know, Mar- Marvel with the TV and the movies, there's always, you know, Kevin Feige's got to be involved in all of it. With a video, and I don't know how the tie-in video game stuff work, but I wonder how much Lucasfilm sits there and says, it must be X and so, X and so, this way and this way, and this character and that character, and they have to be just so, as opposed to, here's the sandbox, go play. Show us what you got. So, I mean, it seems that if you look at past projects and stuff, it seems that the uh, video games don't get as much oversight as like a movie or a TV show. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is is because a lot of the movie people don't know what goes into making a video game, so they don't get as as involved in it. Um, that might be, you know, that that might be an old sort of idea, and it might be changing now. But I mean, if you look at like some of the uh, Star Wars. Um, video games are you know the storyline is is pretty good um they're not as uh you know they do a pretty good job of it and even though you know the last 10 years that the star wars movies haven't been so great um the uh the video games are much you know much better yeah well story wise the the two fallen order games have sold really well so you know somebody's got to be playing them yeah so maybe they're a little bit in, insulated from the, um, you know, the foolishness that's going on in the in the studios. Could be. It could be. Yeah. All right. So what have we got else that's going on everywhere? Uh, by the way, do you guys see that Dakota Johnson says she hasn't seen Madam Web yet and doesn't know when she will? <laughs> Didn't they have a premiere? Like, don't they see that at a premiere? Well, I that's the question. Uh, did did red, she stay? red carpet right out the back? <laughs> right. Did she skip the red carpet? Did they not have one? Well, they had one. They had a screening. They had a premiere. And of course, now here's here's well, the thing. It's very possible. It could be that she shows up in this chain link mesh thing, and maybe she couldn't sit down in it. So yeah. she she left. Maybe she got cold. It could very well be. Yeah, because I didn't I didn't see that she had anything on under it, and and I was embarrassed for her. I'm looking at this picture. And I was like, I get the I get what they're doing with the web motif with all of the all of the gals wearing some kind of a web structure design, but Dakota Johnson's outfit wasn't. It was well, it mean, was it was a Fifty Shades uh, cosplay role play outfit. That's that's not something you wear out in public. You no, know, um, some people haven't seen this, so maybe you should you know 
put up one for the audience so that they know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> I haven't seen this. Oh, you haven't? Uh, let me see. No, I haven't. I don't. Uh... Let, me, let, me, let me see oh, what wait. I can find maybe here. Maybe I have seen it. Um... Oh, I, maybe I did see the picture. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm just Googling it. And I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that's that's not something you wear in, in polite company. Well, it's Hollywood, so. Well, see, the thing is, lately, a lot of these events, the people have been dressing a little bit more modestly. I've been noticing this all the way back, going all the way back to the what Critics' Choice Awards. I made this comment. I was like, "Where's, where's all the outlandish stuff?" No more meat dresses. The, no more meat dresses. The guys weren't wearing skirts. I mean, I was like, "Hold on, you know, various various body parts and anatomy were covered modestly." I was like. Hang on. So what's up with that? The other woman who's in the movie there, the blonde one, like her dress is kind of yeah. has that web motif. Yeah. But it's a little more classy. I mean, like, it's, yeah, I'm looking at I'm like, all right, well, I could, you know, understand now, that. Now, for see, Hollywood. Sydney Sweeney would make a good Sydney Sue Sweeney. Storm. She would make a good Sue Storm as well. Yeah. I, th- I think Vanessa Kirby's going to do fine. Uh, and you could do. I mean, given that the Sony stuff is not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, people are like, Black Cat is right there. Why isn't Sydney Sweeney playing Black Cat? Because she could play Black Cat. But I think, she, you know, over on the DC side, she could be a pretty good Black Canary, I think. Hmm, Black Cat, yeah. you say? Yeah. I mean, why not? But I don't know. I don't know that we're going to get a black cat. I mean, we're supposed to. There's supposed to be a black cat movie that was going to be working at some point. Uh, black cat and um, Silver Sable. They were going to do a team up, and that thing is bit that that got announced what ten years ago, and it still hasn't materialized. I mean, who knows with these casting decisions how they make them? I, yeah. you know. Pedro Pascal, I seem like the last guy I would pick to be Reed Richards, but he, uh, he's, I, I, he's more flavor of the month. I mean, I, yeah, I, it, I, that's what the reason flavor of the month. Yeah. Somebody's got to deal with somebody, you know, I promised I'd put you in the next film if you did this for me, something like that. Right. Like, yeah. So somebody, somebody's, well, they're trying to capitalize on the Mandalorian popularity as well as the last of us being as successful as it is on, on TV. And he's just right now, he's the guy. I mean, they did it with Benedict Cumberbatch, they did it with Chris Pratt, they did it with Jennifer Lawrence, they did it with uh, who else? I mean, you know. and yeah. that is they, they tend to do that, right? Yeah, can we put Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise in this movie? Is the first question we ask, yep. right? Like, yeah, yeah, it, it tells you how shallow the it tells you how shallow the bench is for 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 this or right. their mindset is just so poor and they don't look to other places to find new talent they just think they can just you know recycle someone michael b jordan's another one they keep on you know and yeah. i have nothing against him uh but they you know keep pushing and pushing and pushing but yeah. you know it does work because half the movie audience or well i should say half some percentage of the movie audience will go to see the next tom hanks or tom cruise movie and they don't care what it is while you know, other some other percentage of the audience are like, I want to see the next Marvel movie. I want to see the next superhero movie. I want to see the next horror movie, whatever it is. Right? Yeah. So, by the know, way, it, speaking speaking of games, here's how you do it right, folks. Um, 
And for those of you who are indie creators, make a note because this applies on on that side of things too. Here's Hogwarts Legacy uh, posting on Twixer a thank you to their customers. Saying thank you for making Hogwarts Legacy the number one best-selling game of 2023 worldwide. Here's this big giant graphic and a thank you to the customers. That That's how I, you do it, folks. I'm so surprised that this game did so well. I mean, it's not my my type of thing, so I didn't, I don't know, you know, I don't play it, I don't, anything like that. But, you know, it got so much bad press, you know, it got yeah. just Streisand, pillared. Streisand effect. Streisand effect. Yeah. I, well, I think That's it sold, pillared. I think it sold more out of, just as much out of protest as it was the fact that it was a good game, you know, according to everything that I saw. You know, I got to admit, um, I, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan at all, and I heard about this game, you know, because of that. And I, I you know, again, as I've mentioned many times, I like the setting and everything. So the, the game did appeal to me, and I did buy it and play it. Great game, but I, you know, it might not have even come across my radar if not for the screeching about it. Yeah. Well, and interesting. Maybe that's maybe that's what has to happen for some of the good stuff to to get out there and say. Look at how many look at look at all of the people that hate it. It must be good. <laughs> Buy my book. Everybody I everybody I hate hates it. That's right. That's it must right. be good. Yes. I must like it. That's the way they do it, right? Yeah. Uh, I tell you. I don't know. All right. Oh, uh, you guys see get this? Off my lawn. You guys see this with Stephen King? Oh, not him again. He needs to so, get off my lawn. So Stephen King has has a beef with Elon with, with Musk. Elon. Oh yeah, I saw that. I think I saw and, the one you're going to talk about. And you know, and doesn't like what Elon's doing and refuses to call Twitter X. And Elon clapped back at him and says, "Why are you dead naming us?" <laughs> yeah, I know. I think but you know, Steve, Musk Stephen it, King puts this thing out there says, "Just because you bought it doesn't mean you own it." And he's getting just ripped in the in the does. replies. Like, um, he, he literally does. He, he literally does. He actually spent money to buy the thing. Yeah, he owns it. I mean, <laughs> that that's how it works. I'm it's, not a fan I mean, of billionaires or anything, but if you had to pick a billionaire, you know, like you'd pick Musk. He's the coolest, you know. Yeah. He's throwing the F word around like, you know. F you if you don't want to, uh, you know, advertise on my platform. You're not going to blackmail me. Like, he's, he seems like a straight shooter, you know? You know, you I, I have to wonder, because you've got you've got X getting behind Gina Carano's lawsuit against the Walt Disney Company. I have to wonder what they're, if they're involved in the America First lawsuit, the DEI lawsuit against Disney that just got filed this week. If, if X is... In, in any way involved in that, whether it's financial or not, because Elon's been out there actively soliciting, saying, "Hey, if you got if you got mistreated by Disney, I want to know about it so we could do something." And he started think, getting really hot and heavy on this after the book summit. I think I don't know if Twitter or X is involved, but I think Elon might be involved. Remember, he supported, he gave money to Amber Heard uh, for that Amber Heard Johnny Depp thing. He paid her. Uh, you know, like some of her fees or something. I can't remember, a fine or something like that. So I don't yeah. know. Maybe he's just involved with, you know, various women and he gets, he then well, pays he for their stuff. 
He was in regards to Amber Heard. I think yeah, they so were maybe a him for a and while. yeah, they maybe did him and Gino. Gino got a thing going, and he's like, no, oh, no, Gina's Gina's dating. Uh, what's his name? He's a he's an MMA fighter. I think is his name. Um, crap. She just posted something to uh, to to his and tagged him in something not too long ago, but I can't remember his his name. He's got some some weird nickname stage name thing that he uses. Um, I'd have to look it up, but she, she's been dating him for a while. Um, I think, I mean, I think Elon gets involved in things that he finds interesting or, or, or there's something, you know, bigger there. Like he's not just, I don't think he's, you know, hammering on Disney just cause you know, he's bored. I think like he's got something else. I think Disney became a became a target after Bob Iger's comments about pulling their ads from X at the book summit, and then and then uh, Elon did that thing. But the other part of it is when he sat there and said, "If you got canceled because of what happened on Twitter before I bought it." then Twitter needs to make it right and help you make it right. And so I think he's he's looking at it. I mean, it's 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 a great marketing move for one because it sits there and says it sets Twitter apart from all of the rest of them. It's like, yeah, you got canceled on all of these, but we're not going to do that anymore. Now, we know the reality is a little bit different from that. You know, you know freedom of speech, not freedom of reach or whatever – Yaccarino said but the the censorship the limitations of speech on on Twixer are a lot less now than what they used to be and they're less than what you would find on other platforms so we're moving in the right direction not completely there yet but the fact that he finally reinstated uh, Alex Jones and Donald Trump says a lot about where he's going with this. And then if he finances these lawsuits against Disney or whoever else, you know, that's even more, you know, to his credit. But I don't think that's his end goal. He's doing it in order to build awareness and audience for his platform so that when X becomes the everything platform like he wants to, he's going to have a bigger audience that's going to support whatever he does next. Yeah, I think the two at, at some point when you're be sure to you know, connect with us on up social there with media the richest man and in the subscribe world to our channels sort of so you don't miss you don't, our next uh, broadcast. Like money doesn't this mean as much. This is sci-fi so think, for me you know, radio. Legacy is kind of what he's thinking about, yeah. and like it seems to me that you know, like this whole mission to Mars thing. I think you know it seems foolish to me. I would say, hey, let's go to the moon and get established on the moon first. It's nice and close. It'd be a lot easier. We could learn some stuff, but. You know, he's like, no, no, we'll go straight to Mars. And, and you know, I'm not a, some people say, oh, it's just as easy just to go straight to Mars. But, um, you know, maybe there's that aspect of it, that legacy aspect. Uh, he wants to, you know, I want to change the world. And whether it's to be, I'm the guy who, you know, got us to Mars. I'm the guy who, you know, made the internet more free, whatever it is. Maybe that's then an aspect of it as opposed to the uh, money aspect is, is not as high uh an interest for him. Yeah. Well, and I think the I think the Mars thing is something something we haven't done before. You know, it's you know, we've already been to the moon, we made that accomplishment. So 
it's yeah, but not we only a, we just walked on it and then left. I mean, I know, but it's but it's nothing. but it's been done, and he wants to do something that hasn't been done yet, mm. and I think that's that's a, one of the reasons why uh, he's going he's wanting to do the the Mars thing instead because he would be the first. Yeah, we could just do, do so much with a good moon base. We could just do so much. It would so, help us with research. Well, and he did. So he there. did learn. They did launch that that lunar lander here. That's supposed to land on the on the lower lower pole, the south pole of the moon, um, on the twenty second. I think is because uh, they just launched that what yesterday, day uh, or today? Yeah, yesterday or today. Uh, yeah, by know, the way, Gina, wrong... Gina is Gina is dating the Solus uh, Kevin Ross, Soul Assassin, is his name. So yeah, not not on... drunk three PO. Yeah, you know you go. Uh, you know you're on the moon. Something goes wrong. You're only three days from Earth, but something goes wrong on Mars. You know you forget yeah. something. You're months away. Mars ain't yeah. the kind of place to raise your kids. I'm not sure how many times the space program can break my heart. Um... Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Death Angel Shadow says there's currently a ham radio transmitter on the moon. Is there really? Really. I wonder how long it would take for a signal to get from there to here. By the way, uh, 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 Vaughn mentioned Jules. Uh, This is her Instagram uh, uh, page. She's doing trading cards for uh, Phenomenova. So there's her. her Jules.draws is her art page. Looks like she could play the guitar too. So there's some art samples there for people to see. You need to go check that out. All right, anybody else got a pitch? Anyone else got a project? Going once, going twice. <coughs> Hams do boon bounce all the time. I was not aware of that. See, I've been I've been thinking I need to I need to get in get in to that, that more, a, but a moon bounce is that a is that just reflecting off something or is there actually a ham radio there where they like, you know, bouncing off the moon is just using it as a big, you know, dish so that you can get on a different, you know, you can get a higher more range out on earth, right? Like uh well, he's it looks like he's saying that uh that there is an actual um, radio transmitter on the moon. All right, is this okay? Uh, Death Angel Shadow is posting an article on GeekWire. Ah, okay. Is this the uh, is this the thing here? Let's do this first, because this is the uh, this is the story about the the radio transmitter. First amateur radio station on the moon, JS1 YMG, now transmitting. This is February second, twenty twenty four. Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency successfully landed their smart lander for investigating moon on January nineteenth, twenty twenty four, just before touchdown. Slim released two small lunar surface probes, LEV-1, LEV-2. LEV-2 collects data while moving on the lunar surface. LEV-1 receives the data. The JAXA Ham Radio Club 
secured amateur radio license JS1YMG for LEV-1, which has been transmitting Morse code on 437.41 megahertz since January 19th. So if you tune your receiver to 437.41 megahertz, you can hear a signal from the moon? Is that what I'm reading? Wouldn't that be cool? Cool. That's very cool. Uh, also, uh, Death Angel Shadow shares this. Seattle area game developer Hidden Path Entertainment laves off 44 workers. Oh, Hidden Path. Hidden Path Entertainment. Independent game studio based in Bellevue, Washington, has laid off 44 employees. The layoffs were confirmed Wednesday afternoon in a post on LinkedIn by CEO Jeff Popst. For over six months, our team has been in numerous active discussions to find replacement funding for an exciting RPG project, Pops wrote. We now have no choice but to pause development on that project and reduce the company size until we have an opportunity to return to it. Hidden Path currently lists 79 total employees on LinkedIn. Pops posted a Google Sheet that lists the effective employees at Hidden Path as an aid to helping them find more work elsewhere. The dismissals include several project leads, an HR director, multiple artists, programmers, designers. Wow. Um... In 2022, Wizards of the Coast announced that it had partnered with Hidden Path, among several other internal and external studios, to make a new Dungeons & Dragons game. Yeah, that's what they're working on right now. That's apparently not happening. Wizards subsequently canceled production on many of its video game projects in early 2023, which was initially said to include whatever was underway at Hidden Path. Later reports yeah. contradicted that, however, and at the time of writing, Hidden Path's website still lists its D&D game as being in development. I wonder, I wonder if there's any connection here between whatever Hidden Path is working on and whatever was going on with Tencent. Because remember, we had these rumors here a few weeks ago that... There was the possibility that Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast, was going to sell D&D to Tencent in China. And then it circled back and says, well, it's not selling the actual IP. It's licensing a video game. What if, if, do what? Oh, if Hidden Path is developing a game and they run into financial issues, why, what if they went to Tencent and said, hey, Tencent, can you, can you, get on board with this and save the project. Is that so, too, uh, is that too conspiracy theorist for, for anybody? I mean, hidden, hidden path has done some pretty good defense grid and defense grid too. Those are fair, pretty good tower defense games. Yeah. They've focused on a lot of V like some VR stuff. So they seem to be moving towards VR from there. Um, and, uh, you know, just checking out their site, they've got, you know, one of their games has got a link to Meta, so I think they're partnered with Meta for um, uh, VR stuff. Maybe well, that's not a good sign. But so I don't know what's going on there. That's just uh, like I said. They, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. They, you know, I know them for their defense grid. They're fairly. Uh, those are pretty good tower defense games. You know, well done. Now they've done some other. Uh, other things which are more RPG like, but um, yeah, I wonder what's going on there. They seem to have. I thought the Defense Grid games were independent, like they came up with them earlier by themselves. So now they're partnering and they're maybe getting 
you know, screwed because they're, uh, whoever contracted them is, you know, canceling it then. Yeah. Death Angel Shadow says, at this point, it's almost like they're deliberately trying to put a stake in the heart of D&D. Maybe they are. Maybe they're trying to drive it down so they can sell it. And But, see, that doesn't make any sense either. Why would you, raise it why would you devalue something in order to get rid of it? You know, you devalue it if you want to buy it, right? Right. Try to sabotage it if you, you know... Okay, can I? Uh, once again, I don't. I don't understand. I understand the the rationale of selling the only profitable portion of your company. Why would you you yeah, sell the garbage? That. Yeah. Well, you can only sell what people want to buy. So, sure. you know, if I mean the other reason to sell it is is if you're like like Disney, if you're too big and you've got all these properties and you don't know how to you know use this property. Right? I don't know what I'm doing with this thing. If I sell it to someone else, they'll do something good with it. I can get a good price for it because you know they'll know what I'm do they're doing, uh, and I can use that money to fund something else or, or whatever. Like that would be the reason. Uh, well, well, that would make sense if it was you know like you or me as an individual, and it's like, hey, I want a big payday, and I'm out of here. But if if you're a corporation, that you then you know you you get rid of the thing that's floating the rest of your existence. It you know it's it, it what do you have left it's well, it's a how a shell yeah what depends i mean it depends what you have left and it depends on how much money you're getting and what you think you can do with that money if i can use that money to revitalize all my other properties and i don't really know how to use this property anyway that would you know make sense to do but i mean well they do you know, know they, how to use those properties so they're, they they're making money off of them that they, they, they whereas the toys they're losing money and, they haven't and, been doing very well with D&D, &D, really. I mean, there's a lot of fan well, backlash. It, it, sure, D&D well, &D has run into some particular problems, but Wizards of the Coast is still profitable compared to the rest of their company. The other part are of that, though, about selling... I mean, if, if you look at Hasbro in general, you know, the the question of their their action figures and their toy lines, you know, you could broaden that question of what's been selling because the Star Wars stuff hasn't been doing too well either. Right. Are they selling D and D? Are they selling Wizards of the Coast? Like, are they just peeling off a piece and, and saying, you know, get rid of this? Or well, they maybe they're that. <laughs> not that their words worth anything, but maybe they're restructuring everything so they can just say simply, yeah, look, all this other stuff that someone else put in that that we think sucks, we're going to cancel it all and we're going to start anew, or at least you know get rid of some high percentage of it and keep a couple things, and then just maybe that's the the theory, right? We need to get control of it. We got all these parts all over the place and no one knows what they're doing and some of them are most of them are very you know low well, chance of success death angel shadow says they lost money on D D and magic the gathering Baldur's gate 3 and monopoly go were the only things that made money and those are both licensed products true but um uh magic is going to make magic is going to make money again though it's there they've they they overproduced and you know that was a big talk over you know a year and a half ago or something. How can and you they, lose money on magic? I mean, well because they because they did overproduce and they had a huge backlog of stock that didn't sell, and they they got greedy. You know they they made these ridiculous promises that they were gonna you know add fifty percent profit or 
double it or whatever it was yeah. that they said and they you know they just couldn't sustain it, it you know the covid bump wasn't <laughs> wasn't an indication of future performance uh but they have pulled back on on these things they've reduced their their um inventories and they're producing more realistic numbers in terms of of magic so it's not you know that per unit sold they're losing money on on magic um it's just they were they were mismanaging it and in that sense i think they've got it back dnd not so sure and the other aspect of dnd where i could believe it is if they outbound it because uh, where they still owned it but they licensed the ip um again with all this electronic stuff they they did buy um i forget the name of the company but you know the one that's doing all the digitization of of dnd but you know they bought a movie company and sold that off too so it, it wouldn't surprise me as much if they were to do something like that and and we're just collecting the fees um but now that's i mean that's typical what, what you do with a video game right if you're a company like a movie or a a game company you just basically you know license out the video game to somebody who sure. knows what they're doing right like that's what yeah. i'm assuming that's what this this unnamed dnd um rpg i would assume by hidden path i'd assume that's basically what they did with it maybe not maybe it's a partnership there's 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 other ways of doing it i don't you yeah. know who knows speaking but, of uh, partnerships here's one this is breaking over on trekmovie.com Paramount Plus considering a streaming partnership with Peacock. Wall Street Journal is reporting that Paramount Global and Comcast are exploring joining forces in streaming through a partnership or joint venture among several potential strategic options. Like Paramount Plus, Comcast's Peacock streaming service has struggled to compete in the streaming wars with neither service turning a profit Big surprise there. Both services hover around 1% of the total TV viewing market share compared to around 8% for market leader Netflix. So if Paramount Plus and Peacock do some kind of a partnership, we might be seeing Star Trek on Peacock. But here's an interesting thing. Notice this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embiggen this picture. What do you what do what we we're consistently noticing this stuff. What do you what do you notice about these images? Where's William Shatner? Canceled. Yeah. See, because you look at look at here's the your strange new worlds. You've got Anson Mount, Captain Pike, right there in the front. You got Picard. You got you got Patrick Stewart in the front. You got Discovery here. You got Sinequa Martin Martin Green, Enterprise. You have Scott Bakula. Star Trek: The Next Generation. Here's uh, Patrick Stewart. Star Trek: The Animated Series. There's the cast. But Star Trek: The Original Series. You just have the Enterprise. Every show the big... has the captain except the original show. And they uh, and even in the big you know the 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 top. Um photo there yeah the you've banner got, there you've got the main characters right of the newest stuff it's front all, and center and all then... the captains are there except spock is there instead of kirk yeah yeah i mean it's just blatant at this point and if you're paramount somebody over there is making this a a specific is making a deliberate choice here to, yeah. to why do they hate to, why do they hate Shatner so much? Because, because Shatner Canadian? because Shatner is is what's the term now based 
Shatner Shatner doesn't t- doesn't deal with the cancel cult and the woke and the and the DEI crap. And he'll call That's it out. Happens. He calls it out on on Twitter all the time. That's why it happens when you're like in your Janeway. Uh, Janeway is back here on the right, on the on the very back of the. You know, she's right behind Picard, and you got back in the very back. Uh, Avery Brooks as Cisco, and then you got Bacula back here. I mean, Jordy's back there. There's no reason for Jordy to be back there. He's not a captain, but he's black. I mean, you got Spock instead of. That's kind of. I, I think Jordy is a captain now, right? In the Picard. Uh, is it, well, he was he was a Commodore in in Picard. Oh, Commodore. Three. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But in that persona there, in that uniform, he's chief engineer of the next gen of, of the Enterprise. He's not. He's that. That's that's not Captain Jordy. Yeah. True. Look at Lieutenant Commander LaForge. Yeah. I I'm just saying. These uh, I mean, there's just too many streaming services. They all got to get bought out by some yeah. they can't also well survive. i mean none of them are making money yeah so, it's gonna you know they're gonna is netflix making money i think i thought they well were netflix money. netflix might be the only one yeah the other ones are they gotta be some you know yeah they're all lost consolidation there nobody yeah, wants says- to nobody wants to you know buy eight different streaming services just so they can see a couple of good shows on each yeah well one. i'm Look, Disney has multiple. <laughs> you know, the one company has multiple streaming services. It's, yeah, you, you, got Dis- right. Cons- you got Disney Plus, you got Hulu, and well, then if they're launching a separate ESPN thing or uh, whatever their their sports thing is going to be, yeah. I can see dividing your sports and your you know versus your your you know classic entertainment movies and TV shows. But uh, isn't wasn't didn't Disney have a plan to merge Hulu into? Uh... Well, eventually, eventually, Hulu and Disney Plus are all rolling into one. Because, but, yeah. but Disney's got to got to finish paying off Comcast, right? For the for the share that Comcast doesn't want anymore. That was the original deal. I would say they were supposed to have done it already because the original timetable had their deadline at the end of October last year. Yeah, I remember you talking about this. Now, did the rolling Hulu into Disney Plus together is that contingent upon them paying off? I don't know. Comcast first? I, I don't know. I, I don't would know. I would expect not, but I, it would depend on how the deal's structured. Yeah. So. But they haven't paid off Com- Comcast, right? We've... As far as I understand, they have not yet, and that raises a bunch of questions about where this $1.5 billion came from that they've decided to put into Epic Games that that Bob Iger announced at the at the earnings call. And apparently that's not a done deal. That's not a signed on the dotted line done deal yet. So that could still fall through. Who knows? It, it, Disney's in such a quagmire right now. It is not even funny. And then these lawsuits, too, have to be a big pain in the butt, too. Oh, I imagine so. Yeah. All right. So here's the Just stock. Here's the stock price. 111. Look at that. Look at that trend line. This this is today. This is the five-day. Look, it's starting, to, it's starting to dip. It's starting to dip. Still at one, 110, though. Is that right? Uh, 111? 111.33. Because it was well, like ninety it had, something the other day. Yeah, it hit a big bump at the at the earnings call thing for yeah, no be. particular reason. But yeah, <laughs> earnings earnings call. That's it. 
Well, and it did that, and then right afterwards, I think the day after, it dipped to 85, and then it came back up. So I don't, it, 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 either a correction or something happened where somebody got out. And some of these people it, are waiting to buy on the dip, it sounds like. It looks yeah. like. Sh- sh- so. Show the two-year. The two, uh, I got one year and I got five years. Okay. There's one year. There's five years. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> look at the peak there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so there's still, sig- yeah, they're, they're still significantly, you know, yeah down. And that's, you know, the Nelson Peltz point. Well, and I think, I think it's going to continue to drop. I think you got your, you got your little boost off the earnings call and, they said, "Yeah, that's very well and nice, and and here's your here's your bump in your stock price because Wall Street's very happy with the with the sports stuff. But the the DEI lawsuit now, Gina's lawsuit, Karen McCarthy's lawsuit. I really want Karen McCarthy's lawsuit to go to discovery as well. I don't know that it will, but I I don't think Gina's going to settle. I hope not." I hope um, not. I want. I I so want that stuff to go to discovery. I want to see those emails. Yep. I absolutely do want to see those emails. I actually, I I think the best situation would be, is that if it, it is a settlement, but it's an admission of guilt, which they'll never do, of course. Yeah. Um, you know that's uh, they always they always admission of guilt are always covered by NDAs usually, eh? Yeah. Well, the very fact that they do some kind of a settlement will lead people to assume guilt whether they are or not. <clears throat> we just don't want it coming out. But, you know, D- D- Disney, Lucasfilm especially, Disney peripherally, they don't have a good option. They have to choose the lesser of the worst options, really, when it comes to that that particular case. The other stuff, who knows? I mean, all of it's all of it's going to be just mud being flung at the wall. So, hey, it is sorry. An I got interesting a, year. So, I got to cut out. It's uh, been a great show. I yep. really enjoyed it. Thanks, thanks for having me. On. Thanks for jumping on, Cam. It's good to have you. Later. Bye. All right. And I think we're going to wrap up here because we're close to our three hours as well. So we will uh, we will dip out and uh, I put a link to Sci-Fi Snobs YouTube channel in our notes. Uh, I will oh. I will save that and uh, you can check that out. And we will await with bated breath the next uh, the next video to come out on your channel, sir. Oh, <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. All right, all right. Okay, folks. Thanks for having me on. That's going to do it. Thanks for being here, Snob. I appreciate it. You always have some some insights worthy of sharing. I appreciate you being here. Thanks. And all of you out there as well, thanks very much for being here. Don't forget, you can join us on the different socials and uh, the newsletter, the Discord, the different video platforms where you can find us. Um, we do have a subscribe star account if you want to throw us money. I mean, you can do that. And I guess we're talking. We got to we got to figure out if we're going to do memberships or not. Again, I don't know that we will. We'll see. Who knows? But uh, there is that. And uh, we do want to invite you to join us next week 
David Levine will be here on Tuesday. Harry Turtledove will be our guest on Wednesday. Uh, Christopher Rocchio will be here on Thursday. I don't know. We don't have anything confirmed for Monday yet, but we'll see. I might take the day off and soak my back. I don't know. I may go do that now. So uh, that's it for today. Have a great weekend, folks. Share the links. Uh, leave your, your likes and your comments and your stuff. Uh, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, Send us an email, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And we will do this all again next week. Remember, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. But God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio, copyright 2024, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi for Me Radio.